the blast from our past network. Hi, this is Steve Kostansky, director of The Void and Psycho Gorman, and you're listening to Podcasting After Dark. Lock your doors, close your windows, turn out your lights, for chills and thrills await you. It's time for Podcasting After Dark with your hosts, Corey Stevenson and Zach Schaefer. Stay with a friend, say your prayers as grisly ghouls close in to seal your doom. Tonight's episode, Mallrats, starring Jason Lee, Jeremy London, and Shannon Doherty. Snoochie boochies! Welcome to another hilarious episode of Podcasting After Dark. I'm Corey. And I'm Doug. Do it, Doug! <laughs> <laughs> Just kidding. Just kidding. It's me, Zach. The, the, there's no one replacing my ass on this show. Oh, hell hell no. Hell no. I, I should have introduced you as uh, suitor number two, I guess. <laughs> but, yeah. but dude, Could you call man. me second suitor, please? Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. Guys oh, and gals, we're, we're reviewing mall rats this week. Mall rats, baby. And right at the top, let me just say that this episode is a part of a BFOP network-wide Kevin Smith tribute crossover event. So by the time you're hearing this, uh, the uh, the blast from our past, uh, Adam and John dropped a review of Clerks, and that happened yesterday. And uh, Emily over at Why This Film will be dropping a review of Dogma this week, and Tess and I will actually be talking about uh, Chase. Casey Amy uh, this week as well on Wednesday. So all week on the BFOP network is a Kevin Smith Kevin Smith retrospective because it was a part of our childhood, man. We all love Kevin Smith, you know. It's as far as nostalgia goes. Kevin Smith is uh, he's an icon, man. Like he really is. I throw that term around a lot, but uh, it's true, dude. Like he he's he's uh, you know folklore at this point, and the guy is is is. You know, started out with uh, this little indie film that could, and look what he's doing now. He's doing Masters of the freaking Universe now. So, I'm show I'll show that guy love any old day. Of course, man. Um, both of us, you and I, both have a strong affinity for Kevin Smith, especially like his first few movies. You know, uh, what is I guess lovingly referred to as the Jersey Trilogy uh, yes. plus Dogma. I would I would say because the Jersey Trilogy is uh, Clerks, Small Rats, Chasing Amy, and he did those in order, and then he did Dogma afterwards. Um, but uh, yeah, man, it's Kevin Smith was such. A part of my childhood, especially my high school years. Um, I've jokingly said before on the podcast that I pretty much lived the Randall lifestyle from Clerks, <laughs> you know, when I was working at a video store for so long. Um, but Ditto. me personally, um, I, I got to say, as much as I love Clerks, and I need to sort of rewatch it, but as much as I love Clerks, always Mallrats has been my sort of favorite Kevin Smith movie. And uh, I just, I, for some reason, I just gravitated towards it. Um, I, I think it's, it's you know, it's a lot of fun um, to watch. But, you know, for some reason, it was always the one that I sort of gravitated towards. Uh, what about you? What was your, your favorite Kevin Smith movie of these sort of beginning ones? 
Well, you and I share the same uh, background as far as working at Video Store. I worked at Video Man, and then I worked at Tower Records, both in the video department at Tower Records and Video Man, uh, and have a long... That could fill up an entire episode, the stories we both have Mm -hmm. from the video store days. Clerks came out, and I felt like it was an anthem for my for who I was at that time. I was like, finally, someone gets it. Someone gets the the bullshit that (laughs) clerks go through in life. It'll always be my fond favorite of his uh, collection. But Mallrats is a very close second because of the fact that I remember seeing this opening day uh, waiting in line at the Century Theaters with my brother and his friends and just so excited because the new Kevin Smith movie was coming out. And... I mean, this I, I saw it opening day. I watched it several times since. I hadn't seen this movie in over, well over ten years, though, since uh, getting in prepping for this episode. So I have a very interesting perspective that I cannot wait to share with you, and I'm sure you do too. Um, but yeah, dude, this this movie is a very close second uh, to to Clerks. Definitely, these are my top of his yeah. of his collection. Uh, and then, you know, Jay and Silent Bob Strike Back actually is my number three. Um, okay. I just feel, okay. feel like I, I could pass on the other ones. I, I've always felt like, you know, he's, uh, yeah, I've always felt like he, he's gotten, he's gotten, you know, he, he's had some jokes that kind of run their course. And uh, it, it'll be interesting to kind of dig into this and see what we think now versus what we thought 20 years ago. Yeah. Yeah, of course, of course. Uh, a healthy dose of nostalgia going into this film, but, uh, you know, fresh new eyes offer new perspective on things, especially totally. when you're pretty much at this point twice the age of what everyone else was making this movie. Um, and and I, th- I think that's, I think sometimes that sort of shows in, in what they're talking about and everything, but we'll we'll get, get to that. Um, as far as, like, Jane, Silent Bob and all that kind of stuff goes, I got to say that this right here is my sort of favorite amount of Jay and Silent Bob. I kind of, as much as I love them, I don't necessarily love them as like main protagonists of a film. And I yeah. think in, in the having literally just watched Dogma and Chasing Amy relatively recently, um, I gotta say like this version of Jay and Silent Bob are my favorite. They kind of walk that line between like not real, very surreal, and, and, and sort of grounded in reality still. And and also this this amount of like screen time is is the perfect amount for me but as you mentioned Agreed. earlier you know this this is kevin smith's follow-up to clerks so this was his this was his first studio movie so he made it big with clerks you know sundance all that kind of stuff and then the studio gave him you know money to make this and it bombed it absolutely bombed with the critics <laughs> it bombed with with you know at, at the the movie theater um i think partially because of the fact that it's a rated r comedy and those are those are tough those are tough sells especially when the audience target of this is like 17 year olds like 16 yeah. year olds and a lot yeah. of them couldn't even see it in the theater uh at the time you know so it absolutely bombed um i think kevin smith 
and I believe he's gone on record, but he was trying to make like a sort of a throwback comedy to the raunchy 80s uh, comedies, you know, throwing some some nudity and things, but add his own little Kevin Smith spin on it, which is the dialogue heavy jokes and uh, and stuff like that. And, and the yeah. self-referential, you know, uh, it's just it's it's crazy to see it now, how much references that they make to things, how back then it was a big deal to like hear like a grown up or, or somebody making a movie referencing shit that we talk about that we like you know uh you know <laughs> whether reed richard's penis can and like stretch too and you know infinitely like the rest of his body <laughs> yeah. like these are the things us comic book nerds talked about and it's like it was crazy to see someone like on the movie screen talking about the same shit you know but i feel like nowadays that's a lot more common but when this came out and when especially when clerks came out it was kind of a big deal to like be in a movie talking about also pop culture things in the movie well this also came out around the exact same time that you know movies like scream came out dawson's creek was coming on the scene also kevin williams kevin williamson yeah kevin williamson uh i think created that or produced that as well so there was this this was the um what what's the term this was the birth zeitgeist yeah, the the of of this kind of style of like long winded uh, jokes, you know, people uh, talking like unkind of realistic dialogue between people, but but done in a very witty uh, way. So like it may not be necessarily realistic the way they talk to each other, but it's entertaining nevertheless. And yeah. and yeah, and his his insight, like he's a fan, he's a fan, he's a fanboy that made it that made good, and he still is a fanboy that made good. Uh, actually, side note, he was at PowerCon, the last PowerCon I went to uh, in Anaheim, and we were leaving PowerCon as he was rolling up, and I drove the car around to the front of the hotel to uh, to pick up Kristen and Bodie, and I see Kevin Smith walking into the front of the hotel, uh, and fans are like swarming him, and he's signing autographs, and, and what I observed from him was that he was talking to every single person that came up to him, took a selfie, signed an autograph, shook a hand, gave a hug when you could do that sort of thing. And, uh, and it was, he was so personable from what I saw. And then I heard stories from the guys that I know at PowerCon. They're like, yeah, he lit, he's, he was so sweet to just everybody. You know, he came to be on a panel to reveal the master's stuff. And, okay. And uh, but but he but he showed up as a fan just walking through the, you know, the the, uh, the merch tables and stuff and checking it out. And it's it's so refreshing, man. Like, yeah. you know, people would give him shit when he goes to Comic-Con and does his whole bit. And they're like, oh, it's Kevin Smith again. This motherfucker. Sorry. He's he's entertaining. And, you know, yeah. he's not only entertaining, but he seems like a solid good dude. The guy almost died like last year or the year before. Yeah. And here he is still like chugging away you follow him on instagram or twitter he's a really upbeat dude uh you know there's so many haters in this world and trolls just to be trolls it's like let's applaud the guy for being that nerd in school who probably got picked on all the time but he made good man he like overcame that shit uh hats off to him and I'm I'm now with let's you, shit buddy. on mole rats. I, <laughs> <laughs> just kidding, I've, just kidding. I've heard nothing but uh, but good things about him as a person, um, which it just makes me happy. I'm I'm glad to hear that. I actually saw him do. I don't know what you would call it. It's not like a stand up. He, yeah. he came to my college and he did yeah. this like speaking engagement or something. Yeah, I love just, those. 
Yeah, and 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 he told stories. And let me tell you, I, I think it was like a couple hours long. Yeah, he was so engaging. He was so like fun to listen to, and he was just he was an awesome dude to just sit there and listen to him talk. You know, I really am glad that I did that in college. I actually got to see him do that. And and I guess so. I'm guessing this was probably around 2000 2001. So I'm guessing it's you know probably right after Dogma and everything and yeah. uh you know i think that's when he was on tour so I, yeah that was really cool and if you guys ever if he ever does something like that again and he comes around back around to you see him go see him live because he's yeah. awesome kevin smith yeah. is awesome and i think that's the takeaway here is that we love kevin smith we do and I, I, those shows i think are still available i don't know if they're you can find them probably for free on youtube but uh they, I, I know exactly the shows you're talking about and I think he says shit like that uh, probably 800 times and shit like that and shit like that. <laughs> yeah, you know, yeah, that's so. what that's his whole so. thing where he talks, you know, he tells a story and shit like that. So, yeah, <laughs> I, I may oh, throughout man. this episode say, oh, you know, and shit like that. So it's like that. <laughs> <laughs> but I'm not going to smoke a cigarette. He doesn't smoke anymore, by the way. So no, no, he doesn't smoke anymore. Um, thank God. Yes. Uh, please, 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 Kevin, please stay around for a long, long time. Please, <laughs> please don't go anywhere. Kevin Smith. All right. Do you want to dive into uh, the who's who of, oh, I of Mallrats? Wait. Yeah, I was, I was, I was chomping at the bit. Um, yeah, real quick, just run down, and then uh, throughout this episode, obviously, we'll be sprinkling in little fun facts because there's like yeah. little fun tidbits here and there. But um, right off the bat, Shannon Doherty is top build, uh, and if you don't know who Shannon Doherty is, then you're not a part of our age demographic. Uh, she was a, she was a staple. And if you're not a part of our age gem- demographic, she was on a show back in the day called 90210 Beverly Hills, 90210, uh, which is memorable and it's, uh, unforgettable. That's for damn sure. But in this, she plays Renee, uh, the, 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 the name of Scott Mosier's, uh, the producer, right? Uh, Scott Mosier, his ex-girlfriend's name. So that's pretty funny. Oh, okay. Okay. Uh, I was wondering, because we know, like, uh, Quint is named after, uh, you know, from from uh, Jaws, and then we know Brody's named after from Jaws, and I think uh, uh, Joy Lauren Adams, her name is Gwen, so she's named after Gwen Stacy. And I was wondering who Renee was named after. Well, and I messed up. She's actually, re- it's a reference to Kevin Smith's ex-girlfriend, and then obviously Mosier being uh, his buddy, Scott Mosier. But it's, yeah, it's Kevin Smith's ex-girlfriend's name, which is pretty funny. Okay. Uh, And then Jeremy, not Jason London. Uh, They are (laughs) twins. And Jeremy London plays T.S. Quint. Um, Jeremy London, I know him from uh, Party of Five. (laughs) So right there, you've got two uh, evening time soap show stars Shannon Doherty, 90210, and Jeremy Lennon, Party of Five. Um, yeah, he plays T.S. Quint. I got a lot to say about our boy Jeremy <laughs> Lennon. <laughs> uh, Jason oh, Jerry Lee. Oh, Jeremy Lennon, T.S., no! <laughs> Do it, Doug! <laughs> Um, it's, yeah, so like you said, Jeremy London is is the twin brother of of Jason London, and it's funny because I'm looking at Jeremy London's uh, uh, filmography, and yeah. I don't really know him from that much stuff, uh, you know. But then, ironically, I think I know Jason London from things, so it's like okay, so I sort of know Jeremy London, I guess. But yeah, they were uh, another Hollywood sort of twins. Uh, 
uh, up there with freaking. I mean, there's so many Hollywood twins. Like like uh, uh, Sarah Connor. Freaking Linda Hamilton has a twin. Um, That's pretty crazy. Uh, yeah, the, the the two guys in T2, you know, the two, and they were in Gremlins too, the, the orderlies, you know, they're twins, and uh, and the guy, what's, shoot, what's his name, uh, from Buffy the Vampire Slayer, Xander, he's got oh, a yeah. twin brother in real life he too, so yes, he does, yes, he what? does. Right? Okay. Isn't that weird, dude? <laughs> well, that is that is weird, dude. So, okay, and, 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 and talk about getting um, twins confused. Uh, yeah, his brother Jason London was in like Dazed and Confused, and um, uh, I think he was the one on Party of Five. One of them was I, on Party of Five. I, I know. Really I was, was going to say I didn't want to contradict you, but I was like, I think it's Jason London that was on Party of Five. I think Jeremy London's the one I've like. The only thing I know him from is Mallrats. Like, I, I think I think I know Jason London from everything else. I I think you're right. Uh, I'm pretty sure. Uh, we will. <laughs> Love hey guys. This is like we're gonna figure this out dude uh <laughs> the problem with twins guys <laughs> i will say jeremy london had some issues um later in life that probably will not necessarily need to be brought up but uh yeah he had some issues but he was on party five one of them one of them was okay. <laughs> it doesn't matter it really no. doesn't matter. Um, Jason because, Lee. Because the, real, because the real highlight here is the next person, which is Jason Lee. And then Jason Lee, okay, where do we start and where do we end with him? Jason Lee is Jason Lee. Like, he is, he's from uh, Alvin and the Chipmunks. <laughs> <laughs> First of all, he's, he's a prof- he was once like a professional skateboarder. Yes, yes. Yeah, he was a badass skateboarder. Uh, didn't graduate high school, actually. And that, that was a big deal. Like he, he, he did later on, but like his whole thing was like, no, I, I didn't want to go to school anymore. And I didn't. And his personality, like he just, I think this was, this was his first movie he ever did. Yeah. And just this exudes. Or at least like his first like big role. Um, yes. and, and, and even I was watching the behind the scenes on here and even Ben Affleck was like, he was like, you could just tell this dude was going to pop. Like Jason Lee was going to be, become somebody. He just, he had it, you know? Yeah. And yeah. And he's so memorable. I mean, like he had his own show. My name is Earl, which he was so yeah. great on and like everything, almost famous vanilla sky, which is a badass Cameron Crow movie. If you, if you've never seen vanilla sky, it's really good. It's a good. Tom Cruise. And movie. F- and for the longest time, uh, Kevin Smith was trying to reboot Fletch with Jason Lee yep. as Irwin Fletch, Fletcher. Yep. But, uh, dude, of all the reboots out there, I was like, oh, I can see this one. I, I, I was telling my wife, I was like, I was like, I really, of all the, and I, he's too old now, unfortunately, Jason yeah. Lee to do it. But at the time, he's the only person that I can ever think of to maybe fill Chevy Chase's shoes for that. I'm okay with that. Kevin Smith and Jason Lee doing Fletch, I'm totally okay with. Um, you know, <laughs> There's casting. an alternate reality where that exists. <laughs> yeah, there is. It's to- fully. I-, I am totally okay with that because it's 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 like, uh, you know, Escape from New York without uh, Kurt Russell as Snake Plissken. That, you know, right. that's not going to, that should never happen. Uh, but I'm okay with that. I'm okay with that. Yeah, me so, too. Yeah, there you go. Uh, Claire Forlani, which I think this might have been one of her first movies too. She plays Brandy, British, I believe. Mm-hmm. And yeah, de- definitely British because her, her accent comes through a lot in this movie. Yeah, um, yeah, I'm looking forward to getting to that too. So, yeah. Uh, <laughs> but uh, yeah, she came on, and I watched this with uh, my wife Kristen, 
And she's like, where do I know her from? And I'm like, meet Joe Black. She goes, mm-hmm. yeah, meet Joe Black. So there you go. Uh, yeah, that, that was kind of like her big mainstream thing that she did. Yes, but yes. she was also in she was also in the Rock and Mystery Men, so she she's yeah. been in a lot of stuff. But but definitely, I, I know that like, or I think that that Meet Joe Black was probably her highest profile thing that she did. Oh, for sure, and she's she's a really good actress. Uh, I mean, she, and she's absolutely a, a beautiful woman, just a yeah. beautiful, stunning she, woman. Yeah, she looks like a model, and you know, she's just fantastic. She's 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 and she's yeah, she's Claire Forla- for Claire Forlani, uh, Shannon. Is played by <laughs> Ben Affleck. I love that his name's Shannon. Shannon yeah. Doherty. Um, so w- you probably know Ben Affleck, obviously from Voyage of the Mimi. No. <laughs> <laughs> so back in the day in, in junior high, Voyage of the Mimi was like a science show uh, on PBS, and you learned shit. I learned that you could make uh, water from uh, precipitation. Like and have it drop into bottles and you know because they did, it was like a a group a family that gets shipwrecked or something like that and they're on the sea and they have to like survive and he was just a kid that was his first show he ever did Voyage of the Mimi okay. uh, that's where I know Ben Affleck from <clears throat> uh, and and he doesn't have a giant tattoo of a phoenix on his back in this unfortunately so uh, <laughs> and then, and then uh, Joey Lauren Adams plays Gwen. Joey Lauren yeah. Adams, who, again, my wife's like, is that her real voice? And I go, yeah, that's her real voice. Uh, Chasing Amy. So bada bing, bada boom. Yeah. I mean, she's been in other stuff, too. But, like, Chasing Amy is just, you know, yeah. that's and her, I had, that was I had, her moment I had the shine. biggest crush on Joey Lauren Adams back in the 90s, man. Huge crush. Yeah, I, I knew her from Days to Confuse, too. She, she's another one who has, like, a really interesting look. Um really unique i i really that, that was another thing too i was like oh the good old days when when you could appreciate somebody for just like looking normal uh yeah. which is, you know <laughs> like, yeah no oh. I, I, I i yeah i know what you mean like i was watching this and it just felt it felt good i was like oh joey lord and adams i remember you and, and of course like i just watched chasing amy also and i was like so i'm just completely like inundated with her and yeah man yeah. i i like i miss her being a part of of pop culture basically i don't honestly really know what she's doing now i'm I'm sure she's working but it's nothing that i'm really watching you know uh right now so she kind of really sits strong in this early 90s mid 90s part of my life you know mid to late 90s i mean for us and for the people listening to this i'm sure she played a huge role in 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 other people's lives as well as ours obviously um yeah and then the next I'm just going from top to bottom on IMDb, but Renee Humphrey plays Trisha, 15 year old Trisha. Uh, Trish the dish. Trish the dish. (laughs) (laughs) And she was in Jay and Silent Bob Strikes Back, French Kiss, uh, which is actually a cute romantic comedy with Meg Ryan and Kevin Kline. A little shout out to French Kiss. Uh, And then this guy originally was not wanted by Universal Studios. Uh, this was like almost this reminded me of when Don Coscarelli got Phantasm 2 with Universal and they recast Michael yeah. with James Legreau, which I'm totally fine with. Uh, actually, I love James Legreau in that. But originally, Jason Mewes as Jay was not the number one choice. They wanted um, Seth Green originally, which oh. is crazy. And then Brecken <laughs> Meyer, Brecken Meyer, who. 
I don't even think really does a whole lot now. If he does, I just haven't seen him in anything. Uh, so, so Muse had to audition for the role, which is crazy. Um, hopefully he wasn't... A role that was literally created as an extension of yeah. him. Like Kevin yeah. Smith, like Jason M- or, or Jay is Jason Muse, you know, I, from everything we understand. And honestly, everything that I know about Jason Muse, it's <laughs> fairly close to actually him. Obviously a little bit more cartoony, but yes. for the most part, it's just Jason Muse. So the idea that they would have to recast Jay is appalling on appalling. so many levels. Just to us, I can only imagine how Kevin Smith and, and Jason Muse felt about it. Well, we all know, we hear stories all the time, man, like from interviewing people on, on our on our exclusive Patreon exclusive show. And if you're not a member of our Patreon page, you should definitely check it out. It's worth subscribing because we have great interviews with uh, people in the industry. They You hear these stories all the time of like studio execs not knowing shit and being controlled in, in control of everything. And you're like, dude, really? Yeah. Like, come on. Like this this is bullshit. It's just unbelievable to me. So anyways, thank God Jason Muses Jay. Um, yeah. I'm just, again, I'm going to go down the IMDb list and Ethan Supley, who does not look anything like he did in this. He plays Willem. Uh, <laughs> yeah. And, and he's great. He's such a great actor. So I mean, he's great. been in so many freaking amazing things like yes. American history X, John Q uh, remember the Titans and everything. But like he, he was always kind of like a heavy sort of actor, but now he's like thin and jacked up, like not in a bad yes. way. He's like, he looks healthy. I should say he looks like a professional wrestler. Yeah. Yeah. And, and I'm so happy because I always liked Ethan Supley. Just I, every time I saw him, I was like, yeah, it's that guy. It's Willem. For me, it was always, hey, it's Willem. You know, <laughs> you dumb bastard. I, lo- I love Willem in this. Yeah. Well, I will tell you, uh, the minute he came on the scene, first, first Kristen says, he kind of looks like your brother. And I go, my brother, Sean, she goes, yeah, he kind of looks a little like, you know, like a, like an overweight Sean. And I go, yeah. And then she goes, well, you know what? And she starts like kind of giggling to herself. I go, what? She's like, nah, I'm not going to tell you. I said, well, just tell me. She kind of, lo- he kind of looks like you if you, if you were fat. And I go, <laughs> fuck you. What the hell? And th- so every time he came on screen, I could hear her snickering next to me. I'm like, you know what? Not-? And she goes, you know, he kind of does look. And I'm like, I don't need to hear that anymore. I just don't need to hear that. She's like, no, you in like high school. I go, no, I didn't look like that in high school. I don't want to be that guy. <laughs> You're Willem. You're no, I- Willem. <laughs> <laughs> you dumb bastard. So anyway. dumb bastard. <laughs> oh, that's fantastic that's crazy uh, i love it yeah i figured you get a kick out of that and all oh, and we're listening is probably like oh yeah i could see that no you can't see yeah. that unsee it yeah. right now delete um stan lee plays stan lee enough said yeah. and and it's stan lee um priscilla barnes plays ivana if you don't know who priscilla barnes is come on knock on my door mm-hmm. yeah, i'm she's waiting Terry, for man. you she, she with was, my uh, third nipple. she was the replacement of Suzanne Summers, right? Uh, Terry replaced Suzanne Summers, and, and she's great. I honestly, uh, I always liked Suzanne Summers, but I kind of always had a crush on Terry too. So in this movie, like when you the, the the nudity in this movie was like a dream come true for me. Unfortunately, it's it's marred by a third nipple, but for, uh, for a little bit, know. for a little bit, for you can always bit, block yeah. out one. I would close one eye. When yeah, I was a kid. exactly. Teenager, <laughs> young adult. <laughs> Yeah, uh, nah, dude. And, 
last great. but not <laughs> dude yeah I, I yeah i mean come on like it, that is a dream come true. It's like, uh, you know, finding out about uh, Linda Carter from Wonder Woman being in mm-hmm. Bobby Joe and the Outlaw. Like, oh, really? Yep. Oh, okay. But that's modern versus like an old school VHS 70s copy. Um, <laughs> rounding out the cast, and in my opinion, the greatest uh, ca- actor in the movie and greatest character in the movie playing Svenning is Michael Rooker, who mm. steals the show. Just steals the destroys show. Destroys every scene that he's in, and and by destroys, I mean like that in the best possible way. He is he's on a ten in this movie, and ten. it's funny because my wife is like, oh my god, because he's so heavy because she knows him as Yondo, Yandu, whatever from from Guardians of the Galaxy, and she's oh, like, yeah. man, he doesn't he looks so heavy in this movie. He's not he's not fat, but he's definitely beefy. He's got like that beefy muscle. But it's funny because I'm like I was like, you know, it's it's funny because when I watched. Yandu in Guardians of the Galaxy, I always think of Mallrats, and I always think to myself, oh, Michael Rooker looks so skinny now. You know, like it, <laughs> that was always my point of comparison was Mallrats. Really? That's funny because I, I always will remember him for Henry, Portrait of a Serial Killer, always. Um, and that was his first movie. And then Cliffhanger, where I'm like, oh, he's yeah. he's an action guy in Cliffhanger. Then in this, I'm like, I, oh, I that's his him. ass. I didn't need to see his ass. Yeah, and I liked him in, in Cliffhanger. And, and the thing is, like, Kevin Smith, uh, he kind of got him serendipitously because of the casting director sort of already knew him. But Kevin Smith uh, made it sound like he was like, holy crap, like, we're actually going to get to work with Henry, the portrait of a serial killer? Like, I don't think that... Kevin Smith thought he could get Michael Rooker. So it was kind of like once he actually got him, he's like, oh, my God, this is amazing. And, man, That's like huge. you said, I, I, I love him in this movie. I love Svenning. I think his character is so much fun. And and you can definitely tell anytime he's on screen, you can tell Michael, Michael Rooker is having a good time. You know what I mean? Like, it doesn't feel like it's phoned in. It feels like he's actually on set and just completely in it, you know, and having a great time with it. Yeah, you can. There's every scene. You're right. Every scene he's in, you see other actors in the scene. uh, We'll we'll get Mm -hmm. to. And 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 almost like they're like focusing on their line, getting ready to jump in with their line because they're not on the same caliber that Michael Rooker is. And Michael Rooker just seems so just like laid back and and in the pocket and just like this is this is old house to him by the Mm -hmm. way he's bald in this he was not originally intended to be bald he dyed his hair gray and he didn't like the way it looked so he just shaved his head which works and honestly like when you see him come out of the shower you can tell it's like a fresh shaved head because his like his scalp is so white you know and uh even my wife was like it was like he just shaved his head didn't he i was like it looks like it yeah I think he had every hair on his body removed. So he's a, so he's a naked mole rat. So, <laughs> oh, <laughs> but God, yeah, that, and, and then last but not uh, least, um, yeah, the, the, the dude who is in all of uh, Arnold Schwarzenegger's movies uh, as the security guard, motherfucking LaFours, LaFours. Yeah. That guy is, the guy is great. Sven old Thorson, who, 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 I mean, honestly, if yeah, he's in every Schwarzenegger movie. Uh, he has a big role in Running Man, but Captain uh, Captain Power, dude, seen Captain Power? Yeah, yes, he is. He he was the tank guy in Captain yes. Power, and honestly, <laughs> I'm gonna make. No bones about it. LaFors is my favorite character in this entire movie. <laughs> I 
absolutely love him. And I actually saw him uh, in when I was living in Santa Monica. I, I was um, on a, no at a gas near a gas station on Bar, uh, Broadway and 14th. I lived on Broadway and 14th. There was a gas station there. And I was getting cigarettes, and I think he, he came in behind me. He was doing something. He wasn't the nicest person to the cash register person, but at the same time, you got to take that with a grain of salt. He could have had a bad day. You don't ever know, you know. So I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna besmirch him. I, I would love to still, still meet him or whatever. But yeah, it was, I was, it was a little disheartening when I, when I saw the exchange, and I was like, mm, okay, I'm just gonna keep quiet and stand in the back, you know. That's a bummer. That's a bummer. Yeah, I know. He, yeah, but I mean, maybe he was having a bad day. And, and let me just put it out there: he might have been having a bad day, and also like there might have been a language barrier because he's, uh, I think he's, he's sw- Swedish or something like that. Um, so there might have been a language barrier. So I don't want to just say he, he's a dick or anything, but it just the one time I saw him, he didn't seem like the nicest guy to the uh, gas station attendant. Unfortunately, yeah, no, so. dude. I mean, anyway, like, I mean that's that's not a surprising story where you hear that all the time. So, but. Um, but yeah, maybe he was in character. <laughs> yeah. Let's just, let's just say, yeah, he's just, he was just having a bad day and, uh, you know, L- LA traffic can just put you in a bad mood. So let's just, let's just call it that, you know, and, <laughs> and move on. <laughs> and I will say oh, too, buddy. as we, as we get more into this film and break and break it down, uh, I just have to put it out there, you know, whatever we say, that's ne- might be necessarily critical of, you know, actors in the movie or soundtrack uh just take it with a grain of salt because uh you know it's our reflection and i'm just saying because i know people are huge fans of this movie and uh and i am too i'm just you know i'm just i'm just kind of giving you a um uh warning (laughs) sure yeah and and i you know i'll just piggyback onto that and say that you know we we always go into these movies uh, uh hoping that that you know they're gonna live up to our expectations and be as great as, they, as we remember them to be but um you know it's not necessarily the case and and you know we're not gonna hold back on on what we don't like about it and you know i was talking to my wife before going into this it's a, it's a weird movie because i have one foot in nostalgia and then i have one foot as a 42 year old watching it through you know that lens and you know it's just like okay and I, I, trying to parse out like what my feelings are on this movie there's almost like two versions of of Corey watching this movie you know so for me I'm looking forward to to digging into it and 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 a part of that is discussing what I didn't think uh held up all that well and or what I didn't think ever worked uh, to begin with because I'll be the first one to tell you as much as I love this movie it is not perfect I never have thought Kevin Smith was a great filmmaker don't get me wrong, love his movies, but I don't think as a quote-unquote filmmaker, he's that good, uh, yeah. unfortunately. And and I think this movie highlights a lot of his problems as a filmmaker, and, and some of them I don't necessarily know if he's ever kind of, you know, fixed or gotten better with because I don't like a lot of his newer stuff. Um, but that being said... It's a lot, this movie's still a lot of fun, and I want to like get into it and and kind of at the end of this, I really want to see which one really sticks with me. Is it the nostalgia or is it the new lens that I'm viewing? You know, so yeah, I, I'm I'm definitely anxious to to dive into this, but by no shape means whatsoever is this going to be a is this a perfect movie? Even even back when I watched this in the theater, I could I walked out saying this was not a perfect movie, but I had a lot <laughs> of fun watching it. Yeah, me too. Uh, mm. And I I just wanted to add a little bit. Uh, uh, a little little bit of trivia on the casting. 
originally William Atherton, who I know, who I love specifically from Real Genius and obviously Ghostbusters as Peck, um, was originally uh, the first choice to play Svenning, which is, I I could totally see that too. In fact, dare I say, that might have been a better casting choice. Um, Just more realistic. Or at least on paper. On paper, yeah. And and knowing that, like, knowing that Kevin Smith is such a a John Hughes fan and and he wanted this movie to sort of be like a a raunchy 80s film that he grew up with, you know, I think that uh, having Walter Peck, you know, as the protagonist, antagonist, sorry, um, antagonist, I think that would have fit rather nicely, but I think it would have been a completely different Svenning. Yes, I agree. I I mean, he, uh, Atherton plays very similar. I I love the guy. Absolutely love the guy. He's gold in everything he does. Like I said, specifically real genius. Can I, can I say real quick that I saw William Atherton at uh, Ghostbusters Fan Fest? What was that? Two, two or three, two years ago, I think it was. Yeah. Uh, we were on the Sony lot. My wife went and I went to that. Um, I, saw him, I saw him speak on a panel. He was super awesome. He, he seemed to really like his fans. And I literally almost bumped into him because everyone was just walking around and everything. I literally almost physically bumped into him. And I was like, oh, sorry. He's like, oh, no worries. He seems so fucking nice i was like oh walter peck you're so awesome you know and and but yeah william atherton seems like a really cool dude that that from what i've seen of him yeah and maybe you know he he turned it down because he knew this was going to be geared towards a teenage audience maybe he was trying to get away from that kind of he didn't want to get typecast perhaps who knows um well he he actually i mean he has told the story multiple times but he told it at fan fest where like after Ghostbusters came out, he was like standing on the side of the road when a bu- like a school bus full of kids pulled up and they literally all start yelling at him that he has no dick or whatever. And, you know, because it's Ghostbusters and he, and he was like, oh, this kind of sucks. <laughs> <You know? laughs> oh, man. I mean, it's so funny because I, I know he's known to everybody from Ghostbusters, but I'll always look at him as Professor Hathaway from Real Genius and like want to offer him popcorn because he's a he's a. Oh, it was allergic to popcorn in the movie. So uh, um, <laughs> that's anyways, but like a ton of people auditioned for this movie, Reese Witherspoon, uh, Heather Graham, um, apparently Shawnee Smith from, you know, the saw franchise and summer school. She like sev- severely uh, like acted like a diva when she was on set, uh, you know, just hated the script. So it's just, I think the casting overall is really good. Uh, and you know, that's all I'm going to say about it. Yeah. Yeah. And then uh, the only thing I'll add is that um, notoriously uh, uh, Shannon Doherty hated Jason Lee and they actually, they hated each other on set. So uh, that, I think that led to some hijinks. And then if you, in the elevator scene when they're kissing, oh man, you can see there's no chemistry there whatsoever because yeah. they hated each other that to the point seems... where I I've heard stories that Jason Lee didn't brush his teeth and stuff when they had to do the kissing scene just to F with her. So who knows if that's real or not, but whatever you can definitely see that they don't have a lot of chemistry though. Unfortunately, well, I will say, I will say I have a close personal friend who, who's like almost best friends with her. Uh, and, and apparently she is like just the salt of the earth, good person. And, always got a lot of shit back in the day because she didn't put up with shit. Like she would, mm-hmm. you know, and, and, and was a very strong, like I, that. I don't mean this in any negative way whatsoever. She's like a very strong, strong female actor. 
and uh, yeah. wouldn't put up with like wanting to do do certain things. So maybe who knows? Who knows what was going on? Yeah. But that would piss me off if the guy I'm supposed to be kissing didn't brush his teeth. That's fucked up. So, <laughs> but you know, yeah. <laughs> hey, but Jason yeah. Lee is like he's he's an outlaw. You know, he's an outsider kind of coming in, and not anymore, obviously. Uh, but back yeah, but at the, the time, back, yeah, yeah, he was like it's like it's like uh, Johnny Knoxville doing his first movie kind of deal. Exactly. Exactly. So that's yeah. So there you go. All right, buddy. Snoochie boochies. You want to get into this? <laughs> yes, please. I cannot wait. I've never met a person who lives in as much fear of his mother as you do. You want I should tell my mother what we do in here at night? What, that you play video games and I fall asleep unfulfilled? Oh, she calls you callow in here. You say that like it's bad. Well, it means frightened and weak will. That was the only part of the letter I thought was complimentary. This is Brody's private hell. Where the hell did that come from? What's going on here? And these... Brody man, Nietzsche Nochies! ...are his friends. Ow! Oh, sorry. It's all right. What's a stink palm? Take your hand, you stick it like this. Uh, there, now you shake hands with the guy. You know how long it takes for that smell to come off? If you stare at these things long enough, you're supposed to see some kind of hidden three-dimensional picture. Oh, yeah, look, it's a sailboat. You saw it too, damn it! We, uh, we slept together one time, remember, in high school, that, that ski trip? That was you? Dude, this looks like your mom. Bye-bye, Easter Bunny. There is no Easter Bunny! You know about this game show thing they got going on here? Well, we need you guys to somehow ensure that it doesn't happen. Truth or date? Second suitor, would you ever make Whoopi in public? Uh, no, I, I think that's kind of personal. I don't think I should answer that. Mall rats. You said it was a good size. When a girl says it's a good size, it's a nice way of saying that it's small. What else did you expect from the director of Clerks? Hey! First of all, let's just say that this is supposed to take place in New Jersey. Uh, the, the the mall that they shoot in, Eden Prairie Center, was actually Minnesota. So when they're outside in the parking lot and stuff like that, this is all up in Minnesota. And no big deal, but we should just put that out there. This is no. not New Jersey, unfortunately. And they were filming uh, Fargo at the same time while this oh, was going they? on. Oh, wow. Yeah. Okay. Good good job, Minnesota. So, yeah. you know, of course, we, we have, you know, opening shots of the mall, you know, all, all the different sort of uh, uh, made-up uh, stores that Kevin Smith probably felt like uh, he, very clever when he was writing these store names. Uh, a couple of them were Burning Flesh Tanning Salon, Popular Girl, Fashionable Male, which, of course, will be uh, uh, coming back later, um, yes. and Rug Munchers, <laughs> of course. <laughs> oh, goodness. And that was, of course, a, a rug 
company or whatever. But I'm like, oh, Kevin Smith. This movie, <laughs> right away, you can tell it's, like, written by, like, a, a 28-year-old, you know? I, I, I don't know exactly the age that Kevin Smith was, but I, it's definitely written by someone in their late 20s, early 30s. Yeah, it's it's... Look, guys, it's juvenile as shit, and that's the whole point. And so the, you gotta laugh at it. If you're offended by any of that stuff, turn this off now because it's gonna get it's gonna get worse. <laughs> I don't think anyone's offended by it by this this Bro, kind of stuff. I hope not. <laughs> um and over like, you know, uh the establishing shots of the mall and everything, uh Brody has we have this like this voiceover story that Brody Jason Lee uh, tells, <laughs> and it's it's basically about his cousin getting a uh, cat stuck up his ass. And I, you know what? I, I'm not. I was talking to Zach earlier. I'm like, should I just tell the story? Should, uh, no. I mean, you guys are gonna watch the movie. You're gonna know the story. So I'm not gonna like quote yeah. everything. But I liked it. It was funny, but at the same time, it was juvenile. I liked the one he tells later better. The the airplane one. Yeah. <laughs> They're both great. Yeah, Jason Lee is so good at delivering a monologue. It's it's. Uh, I get. I think when I and this is something in hindsight or watching it now, which which uh, is different than it was back then. Back then, it kind of annoyed me. I was like, I don't. This is not. This is, this doesn't feel natural to me. Watching it now, I'm like, oh, this is funny as hell, and it's actually su- feels supernatural. So, supernatural. Um, so, <laughs> uh, but yeah, no, it felt good, man. Like I was like, no, oh, he's he's good at what he does. He was effective. He's- yeah, he's, he's he's great at what he does. Yes. And uh, now this was m- always my favorite part. So then it kind of cuts, the credits really kick in, and they the, the opening credit montage using a bunch of different comic book, real established comic book artists. Yes. Okay, all, all comic book artists are real. But let's say uh, established, <laughs> big name comic book artists. And right out of the gate, like I could recognize just from their style uh, who they were, but I'll read off just some of them. There, there's a lot more, but I'll read off some of the the more notable ones. Um, Mike Allred, who was the the artist of Mad Men, he also did all the art for In Chasing Amy. Uh, Mike Allred did so all their stuff uh, was In Chasing Amy was done by him. Um, J. Scott Campbell, Joe Quesada. Joe Quesada will go on to become the editor in chief of Marvel Comics. Um, Jay Lee. Dave Johnson, Ethan Van Shiver, Adam Hughes, Brian Stelfreeze. These are some huge names in the industry, like right in that point. Probably the only two names that would have been even bigger that they didn't get would have been Todd McFarlane and Rob Liefeld. Those would have been the only two names bigger than who they got. And I loved it. As a, as a kid, seeing all those artists and all those comic book covers, I was like, oh, my God, that's Jay Lee. Oh, my God, that's Joe Quesada. You know what I mean? Like, I could just tell from every single one. And that was so cool. But let me ask you this. You read comics growing up at the time, but I, I don't think you read as much as I did. Did you recognize the, the, the these artists, these styles and everything? I actually recognized it now, watching it now. But back then, I was I was way more... I was always like the, I was the kid that said, oh, I'm not going to read that because it's so mainstream kind of thing. And, and, and it's not a bad thing per se. Like I didn't shit on it, but I was just like, I want to read something underground and different. So I was reading like evil Ernie and, um, yeah. you know, uh, shit like that. So like Brian, what was that? Brian Polito, I think is the guy who I, did that. Oh yeah. Yeah. I believe so. Yep. Yep. Good call. And, yeah. Good call. Yeah. 
Thanks, thanks. Uh, it's my rare, small, minutia knowledge of comic books. I, I was not as huge into comic books. I was way more huge into just like Fangoria and horror sci-fi stuff. Um, but my brother was obsessed, ob obsessed with comics. So, you know, my brother's uh, buddy Ray worked at a place called R&K Comics that we would just hang out there all the time. And and all all we would do is read comics. So I was familiar with these guys. I'm I'm more familiar with them now than I was back then because I was looking to read more of the indie stuff. So it's funny. You were probably familiar with th these comic book artists at the time the way I was familiar with like wrestlers because I yes. would be hanging out with people and I'd be like, oh okay, I know who these people are, but I didn't you know watch wrestling myself. So yeah. I, okay, I get that. I totally get that. And uh, hey man, you, you read Evil Ernie, man. That's a uh, respect, bro. Respect. That's that's hey, awesome. Thanks, dude. Uh, <laughs> I still have those bagged in in backs. I'm surprisingly uh, shout out to Tess for having me on her show and. And, and I got to crack open my old horror mags and I was like, oh, I forgot I had this. Oh, I forgot I had this. Yay. So anyways. Nice. <laughs> All right. So Brandy Spinning is sitting out front and uh, T.S. pulls up in his station wagon. He makes a hell of a turn into her, into her driveway. <laughs> well, yeah. <laughs> Speaks volumes for what happens to him later in life. I know. So, uh, uh Brandy, uh, you know, she she doesn't have her bags packed, but you can tell that T.S. is kind of ready to go. And uh, he's like, come on, let's, you know, let's, let's pack up our bags. Let's get out of there. You know, yada, yada, yada. Brandy starts talking about Julie Dwyer. Now, the cool thing is this is a reference to something that happens in Clerks because yep. they, uh, in Clerks, I, I think it's, is it Dante or Randall goes to her funeral? And Randall. then even in, no, Dante. yeah, Randall. And then even Randall, in Chasing yeah. Amy, um, is, is referenced. I, I believe she's her, the, her funeral is referenced as well. So yes. the one thing I love about Kevin Smith is he created in his first three movies, he essentially created a comic book universe. He created a universe and looking at it now, it, you feel like, okay, that's so normal now because of what the MCU does and everything. But at the time, that's really freaking cool. I think. Oh, I love it. It's, it's great. And, Again, I think it's a nod to his fans. Like he's making these movies based on shit he thinks is funny, shit like that. So uh, you know, it's it's it's, and I and I, again, uh, I, I intentionally want to use the the Phantasm Two reference. Here is a big budget Hollywood film coming out with with an audience that is not familiar with Clerks at all, seeing it not necessarily getting those references. So yet another reason why I probably didn't do well, because people are like, I don't get it. Uh, oh, what is this? You know? And then just like Phantasm 2 was the same way. It was a sequel, a huge budget sequel to an indie film. And then people are like, wait, oh, yeah, I don't, wait, I gotta go back and watch something else. This is not good. Oh. <laughs> well, so, I mean, know. at least with, at least with, with, phantasm 2 the audience could know going in that it's a sequel because it has two in the title you know yeah but mall rats it's not as technically a sequel to clerks but true yeah. i do feel that get getting maximum enjoyment out of mall rats requires you to to watch clerks beforehand yes. you get so many more layers to it to and be you truthful. won't be let down you won't be let down you no. won't be let down no i don't i don't think so so, so basically, Brandy <laughs> tells him that that 
did she's like did you talk to julie last night and he was like yeah you know i told her that the, the camera adds a few pounds or whatever <laughs> and i love how brandy is like you know she goes oh she had the fattest ass in high school and apparently last night she after she talked to ts she went to the y and just started doing laps after laps of, of <laughs> swimming and then on like her seven hundredth and something lap she had a brain aneurysm and died and i will say this i will say this i am not a big fan of jeremy london in this film i he for me personally he's not one of my favorite actors and i I think zach will probably back this up real quick but i just want to say that i do love his delivery of him saying she's fucking dead like the delivery (laughs) of that is his best performance in this entire movie unfortunately i'd have to say well it's the one of the few times he actually speaks up because uh yes he is he is from party of five and the guy no offense to the guy at all i don't know him personally but just his acting he mumbles he mumbles so much and it's really annoying like he he just he's talking about a scene you don't even know what's happening just going into this review just know that even back when i originally watched it Brandy and TS are like my least favorite characters and my least like favorite storyline. And ironically, they're the they're the main A storyline. I mean, I guess you could say Brody and Renee are kind of like a point five. Like, you know what I mean? But I do think TS and and Brandy are the actual main storyline. Then next to that is, is Brody and Renee. But it's one of those. This is one of those movies where I love everything that surrounds the main characters, you know? Yeah. I, I appreciate their relationship. I do. I, and I appreciate the, the, the story that Kevin is telling with them. I just don't think they're not very strong actors. Um, they're at, not at like, least maybe not at the time they weren't, you know, at the they, time, they, I do yeah. think, I do think Brandy gets better. Uh, when she's still talking, when she's talking to TS in this scene, when she's talking about Julie having the biggest ass, like she does this, generic hand up to her eye it's like it's like acting 101 when they say hey pretend like you're thinking do this and and she does it and i i've now i've seen the movie twice in like two days to to break it down and i'm like man she does that like acting 101 performance right there i do think she's a much better actress now um but right there she definitely was was not the strongest and you put two of them in as the only two people in the scene and you're just like okay it's not the strongest scene in the movie yeah i think it i honestly think it is uh one of the worst openings to a really entertaining comedy you know what I'm saying? Like it, yeah. it, it, it really brings down, in my opinion, because it's just like, oh, okay, come on, guys, like let let's let's move the scene along. It could have been yeah. cut down, in my opinion. Yeah, and and I'm never I'm I'm never like like hurrying up to get through this scene, but I'm also aware that I'm aware of the fact that their acting is terrible in it. You know, like, yes. like it, it's like, you know, a good editing in a movie, you should never notice it. You know, like bad editing is when you see the actual editing. And and here it's like, you shouldn't notice the acting and I'm, I, you notice it. So yeah. just, let's put that out there. We don't need to like, you know, dive any more deeper into, uh, just know that, take it with a grain of salt. Know that just, I, neither of us are the biggest fans of of T.S. and Brandy in this film. 
yeah, if you if you hear me if you hear me start to mumble some of the things I'm saying, just know that I'm doing a really bad impression of a uh, Jeremy <laughs> London. So just just you know, it's not a, not a big deal. I'm just saying it's like you know that's what I might be doing if I'm mumbling. What? <laughs> Thank God for subtitles, right? <laughs> Thank you. And this one, this had Blu-ray had them, so, so thank God for that. <laughs> <laughs> oh, by the way, real quick, sorry guys, we're going on huge tangents here, but I did notice that the subtitles aren't exactly the way that they say it in the movie, and I was no. wondering if the subtitles are done off of the script, and then they don't account for the little ad libs that sort of come in, the little, uh, the little words, the little accoutrements that you know the actor will add. They don't have any of those, so I think I think the the subtitles on this one came from the script and not the not the transcript, as it were. Yeah, I think so, you're right. That's it. That's all I got to say about that. All right, so let's let's get back into it. Uh, no, no, we we find out that, <laughs> that we find out that TS wants to take Brandy to uh, Florida. They're they're supposed to go to Florida, um, but now Mr. Svenning, because Julie is dead, Mr. Svenning, Brandy's dad, doesn't have a contestant for his new game show that he's developing called Truth or Date, which is a, a throwback to like a true, you know, a, a 50s, whatever, 60s game show or, you know, whatever type of thing. But it, it's real cheesy, you know. But the funny thing is, as these two characters, as Brandy and uh, TS are fighting, we do get a couple awesome, like, like, cross cuts whenever they do mention Svenning to, to him coming out of the shower or him great. kind of like doing, doing like boxing in front of the TV. Yes. And then when the TS makes some comment about her dad being an ass and they cut right to Mr. Svenning doing a kick and his towel drops and his, you know, his bare ass is there. It's, I will say that Kevin Smith did do a good job of salvaging this scene as best he could in editing. Agreed. And again, Michael Rooker saves the scene. Michael Rooker saves the scene. So T.S., or I'm sorry, Brandy has to help her dad out, and she's going to be the new contestant on, on the, the, the show to basically save their relationship in in, Tia, in her father's eyes. But we already know that that her dad does not like T.S. He, he does not like him at all. And you know what? Some of the things he says to him later... I, uh, I, I'm kind of actually on Mr. Svenning's side, but, uh, we'll, we'll get to that later. Um, <laughs> <laughs> why would you be on Mr. Svenning's side and on my side? Come on. What's the big deal? <laughs> <laughs> um, so we cut to now Brody's bedroom and, uh, Brody's kind of asleep in his, in his bed. And of course it's, it's in his mom's basement. Although I will say it's a cool looking room for, you know, someone that's 19 or 20 living at home in their mom's basement. I have to interrupt you, though, and, and, and ask you a very important question. It's, it's a life-altering question that hinges. That, uh, this is the precipice of our friendship at this point. Uh, it's a very, this, this could make or break our relationship, depending on how you answer this question. When you were a teenager, did you put posters on top of posters? Oh, God, no. Yeah. So I'm wondering, as a comic book fan, and and I know Kevin Smith's, the, his entire collection is, that's the collection of comic books in that scene, apparently. All the posters, and granted, they're great posters, are on top of each other. They're, like, cutting half of their posters. Whoever designed that does not know kids. Like, okay, everyone listening, if you happen to do that, Explain why you decided to do that, because it, it makes no sense to me. I was like, 
you're, I, I get it, push pins and shit like that, but that's terrible. It's terrible. It's yeah, terrible. I've, I'm glad you answered that correctly. I've never seen that in my life at anyone's house before. It Ditto. it feels like a a set decorator. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like it feels like someone decorated the set because they're like, ah, you know what? If 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 they're symmetrical, it'd look kind of weird, you know. Um, but no, I'm I'm with you 100. percent I had my mind like in in you know, the shitty frames that you'd get from Suncoast for like 18 bucks. But you know, I had them in frames and I put them yeah. up and everything. Although we'll say it was pretty cool. He had a legend poster. I was like, hey, legend, look at that. He had great posters. There, yeah. There's a legend one. I think there was another. There was another horror poster I wrote down. Um, oh, there's a Tremors. There's a Tremors one in the yeah. Corner. That was Tremors, you know, both uh, Universal movies, uh, which is yeah. kind of funny. So they, obviously they just pulled them off the off the off the lot. But uh, yeah, I was like, Wait, you don't cover up half your poster, especially a comic book aficionado like Brody. You're not doing that yeah. shit. Sorry, sorry. No, no. And I'm I with love you. Brody. I agree. Brody would never do that. No, I don't think so. I don't think so either. What he would do is is sleep with his like back, you know, against the wall. I guess. Yes. <laughs> I, uh, I know people oh, like man. that. And and uh, dude, this every time I I watch this scene, it literally gives me a headache because her knocking on his head. They the yes. foley artist straight up like uses like a hollow coconut, you know, and it just <laughs> sounds like she's just like talk talk talk, like knocking on his head, and I'm like, ow, god, that looks so goddamn painful, you know. But I, the way he reacts, I would say he kind of deserves it, you know. Yeah. But uh, he wakes up a complete asshole. He's like, knock it off, and then she's just like sitting there staring at him, and he starts rummaging immediately for his Sega Gen. Or, I'm sorry, Sega Saturn. Saturn controller. By the way, I had a Sega Saturn. I it's actually one of my my favorite D pads for fighting games because it wasn't the 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 pad the D pad wasn't like carved in. It was circular, so yeah. you could more easily do the Hadouken rolls. You know the down to forward rolls and everything. Yes. So yeah, I still love it's the Sega Saturn controller is one of my favorite controllers of all time. I love the Sega Master System controller where you could screw in the controller into the little, it it was like a basic Nintendo type controller, but you could screw in the knob on top. It was fucking awesome. (laughs) Sega Master System is the shit. (laughs) You knob. (laughs) They had had game discs, they had little chips, you know, it was so badass. Anyways. I didn't have a master system. I was uh, I was Atari twenty six hundred to uh, then to NES, uh, then to Genesis, and then to uh, Super Nintendo. Um, so I never I never actually had a, a master system. One of the one of the few things I didn't have as a kid, as far as uh, video games go. That was yeah. I wish I had that still. I love that system. I wish I had still had my Super Nintendo. Mm-hmm. Oh man, we're so I, many tangents on this I episode, wish, dude. I wish I still had. Uh. <laughs> This is, this is going to be a four-hour episode, guys. I'm just saying. Um, so he, he picks up his game of, like, freaking NHL. And she just, yeah. you know, she's obviously pissed off at him. She goes, you promised to make me breakfast, uh, you know, but he wants to finish his game first. He says something like, you know, he's like, he's like, this is once in a lifetime. And the funny thing was, he's he's justifying ignoring her by by playing his game now. But I'm like, but that game was paused overnight. You can just keep it paused and then make breakfast, you know. But yeah, it's 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 more of a this is a, a symptom of a bigger problem in their relationship. Yes. Um, Brody asks if she's used the bathroom, you know, and Renee's like, you know, don't worry, you know, I didn't I didn't let your mom see me. And Brody is of course like 
feigning like, oh, who, who cares? You know, I don't care about my mom. And she's like, you live in fear of your mom. And she's like, you guys never even uh, introduced me to your mom. And I love the fact that, that he's – she, she she doesn't like you and she's like you never introduced me to her and, he, and she's and he's like because you're always in the bathroom i thought that was funny but she's uh like, you know what she, i'm doing in there i'm crying yeah I'm crying yeah and then so she's he's like what do you do in there anyways and she's like i cry yeah. <laughs> and then she gives this big long speech about how there's all these you know people who make differences in in their lives on a day-to-day basis and she's like you know lists all these people and she's like the the person that maps out the the airplane Playing patterns he's like the navigator huh? and just like how he's like he knew that one <laughs> he knew and, that one <laughs> that was a good one and she's like she's like i cry because you know basically because they're they're doing these amazing things and i i have nothing better to do but fuck you and she tosses him a, a note and she slips out through the the window because he's clearly in the basement so she slips out through the window and he's like you're breaking up with me and and it's it's a great it's really it's a funny scene and Shannon Doherty she's a good actress man like yeah. uh you know she I for, people forget that she was in Heather's too like she was yeah. and Heather's is classic she's so good at playing that kind of like she kind of has a sympathetic role in this a little bit you know Brody's yeah. Brody's yeah. such a douche she's such by today's standards you know he he wouldn't see that he wouldn't have a girlfriend to save his life no. Oh. God, no, 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 no. And, and that is one of the things that like, you know, when when I was 20, I was like, oh, yeah, Brody, I get it. Now that I'm 42 and I'm like, oh, oh, you're an asshole that you're just yeah. an asshole. Like you kind of don't deserve her. And then it's it, and then another thing that, you know, like we'll talk about more later. But like the fact that like they spend the entire day trying to figure stuff out, whatever, like basically doing everything, but actually talking to the person that that you need to talk to. And, it's you know, when you're 42, you're just looking at this, you're like this is not how you like do a relationship, you know, no. but again, this is, this is a moment in time, you know, and, and, and there's nothing wrong with that. Like, you know, and that's the problem. Like when I'm watching this, I'm like, Oh, that's not how I would, would, you know, handle the situation now. But he, this was written by Kevin Smith at, at a certain time in his age. And you know, it's, and it's okay for things to be just like a moment in time, you know? And, and I think I had to, I had to sort of reconcile that as I was watching the movie. Yeah, yeah, I think there's 90s movies in general, I think, have a hard time uh, aging well because they're not timeless. Like that was such an that was such an odd time. You know, the 90s are, I think, a very unforgettable era uh, overall for when it comes to movies and music. And case in point the soundtrack for this movie is not good it's really not like no it it wants to be like you can tell that like it wants to be good and like it wants to be like an iconic 90s soundtrack um i i I didn't i didn't love the soundtrack honestly i didn't really love uh chasing amy's soundtrack either i don't think kevin smith is as clever musically as he thinks he is yeah, I, I think the Clerks soundtrack was actually pretty decent uh, yeah. in, in comparison. <laughs> and yeah, it's like, oh, we got Weezer. Well, so, uh, you know, like. I'm, I'm not a big Weezer fan to begin with. So. Yeah, there's just a lot of, lot of songs on here that are very, but it was, but it's very um, timely. Like the music in this movie is all you heard on the radio back in the day. Yeah. And, yeah. and it's not a good thing. It's not a good thing. <laughs> 
<laughs> no, no, not always. Not always. Uh, TS pulls up to Brody's house, and Brody's eating his cereal because, you know, he doesn't give a shit. He's got nothing else to do. Uh, they go downstairs into the basement, and I love how Brody's like, touch not lest ye be touched. And, you know, TS <laughs> is like, what? You know. But uh, eventually TS makes his way over to the note, and he sees that Renee broke up with with Brody. He's kind of like looking at the the laundry list that that she re, you know says that is, is what's wrong with Brody. And he gets to like callow. And I love how Brody thought that was the only compliment. And T.S. looks at him. He's like, it means frightened and weak willed. <laughs> like, <laughs> yeah, I love that. And Brody's like, huh? Nice job, Jeremy London. Yeah. Then uh, they're sitting on the couch, and this is all one take, uh, which I actually enjoyed because I thought um, um, there's one part of this whole like dialogue that you could tell Jason Lee sort of laughed during, but he he did a good job recovering, and they got yeah. it all in one take. But you know they're sitting there talking, and, and you know TS is like you know I too am in the framing business, meaning he got dumped, and yeah. he was talking, and he's he's telling. Brody that you know he was gonna proposed in Florida at Universal Studios during when Jaws comes up and he's like oh that's romantic and uh, you know it's like it's not it's it's a it's a it's a 27 year old's idea of what you know romance is and yeah. uh, and then we find out that Brody's like you know I never once farted in front of Renee you know maybe that's why she broke up with me but the other night she was going down on me and I farted in her face I'm like. And it did. This was when I was right away. I was like, you know, at my current age, I was like, when I was like 20 something, I would have thought that was funny. Now I'm like, you are a trifling motherfucker. Like you fart in yes. some girl's face. Like that is some fucked up shit. Actually, I, truthfully, right there. Didn't even say like he, he he just let it he let it squirt or something. Yeah, he <laughs> says he goes when I relax, I squirt, and that made it even worse. I was like, oh god. <laughs> oh, but I do like how TS is like, you know, if, if you're you're lucky that you just got dumped, like she should have just freaking killed you. Um, but Brody suggests going to the mall and that would kind of help them both feel better. <laughs> Cut to the mall and the famous, famous dialogue of, of them walking in and Brody yelling. I love the smell of commerce in the morning. Everyone loves that. It seems to be a, a fan favorite uh, of this movies. And I wouldn't be surprised if that's like sort of the anthem of what people tell Jason Lee when they see him and stuff. But uh, he he right away bumps into Shannon Hamilton, played by Ben Affleck, and they <laughs> almost come to blows like immediately. <laughs> uh, and, and Ben Affleck is it's pre everything you know pre who he is now so yeah he's relatively unknown at the time he's so good he's such he's so good at playing that that douchey dick he's so good man i i, I love ben affleck i think he's i think he's a, a good actor uh good writer director and and he's he's great in this man again acting chops yeah he he is much of a dick that he is He's probably one of the best actors in the movie, and yes. it, it really shines. It really shines. And the interview that on the on the DVD, or I'm sorry, on the Blu-ray, you know, he, he was like, obviously, he's like, it was early on in his career. He took the job because he's like, I, he's like, I needed the six thousand dollars, so I took the job. He's like, but to this day, people will come up to me and and quote that movie and and everything. So clearly, it's, it, this this movie, judging on their conversation on the Blu-ray. 
this movie has really found new life in in its video form. It was it it is a true cult classic in the fact that it just did not do well in the theater and the home video market is where it really kind of found its own life. That's good. That's good. It should. It should. Yeah. Of course, as Brody is, you know, telling T.S. about something, you know, about you need to move forward. You can't be hung up on Brandy. Um, he, like, runs right into a, a, a beam. What, what is it, like a construction beam, right? Yeah. Well, it's, it's, to, build, it's to build the set for yeah, um, it's, the Sven. Yeah, and it, it's kind of the, the segue into to, you know, us finding out about what's going on. Because he's like, what the hell is going on here? You know, and, and you know, so... They want to know, like, there's a, a giant stage being built. So they're like, well, you know, Brody wants to find out why. You can tell Brody comes to this mall frequently. He is a mall rat. So <laughs> it's, this is, you know what? I bet you, it, let me ask you this. We, we, adjust, we addressed it earlier, but who do you consider is the main character of this movie? Is it TS or is it Brody? Well, I think it's kind of like a Fast Times at Ridgemont High kind of thing where it's an ensemble. You know, there's okay. always sub stories going on the but but, you know, in, in fast times, they were all kind of separate. Right. All the stories were separate in this. They're all connected. So, I mean, Brody na- starts the narration of the thing. He he's essentially the main actor. He, I think uh, I think he's the most likable in his douchiness and or his, his kind of <laughs> slovenly slothy ways um you know i think yeah yeah I, yeah, yeah i'm gonna say brody i'm gonna say brody okay good good i yeah i yeah, well I, sh- I should say that i like his storyline better than, than i do Brandy too and ts's instead of mumble mouth jones so yeah, exactly <laughs> mumble mouth twinny twinsies <laughs> um <laughs> So they, he knows someone who can help him out and uh, get the information that they need. And they walk over to Willem, who is staring at one of these magic eye posters that were all the rage back in, in the mid to early 90s or whatever. Uh, it's those, those computer-generated images that if you sort of look past them, through them, relax your eyes, relax your butthole, you will see <laughs> the, the sailboat or the schooner, whatever, whatever is in there. And, uh, you know, it's... it's they were the, the such a rage for a time, and now they are nowhere because you know they discovered that it made you go cross-eyed by doing it. Pretty much, and you know, I, I, classic '90s. And when I say classic, I mean I hated the '90s, hated the '90s, <laughs> hated the '90s, early oh, '90s. Oh man, yeah. No, I'd, I would so much bad. rather uh, go. I'd much rather go back in time to the '80s than the '90s, to be honest with you, dude. Yeah, I sincerely, and and I will say. The fashion or the uh, the the costume or the the cho- the the clothes that they wear in this film are terrible, terrible, dude. dude so 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 the eighties came back in fashion like straight up for realsies within the past like five years or so. It yeah. was a very strong eighties time. Um, I love it because it's so colorful and everything. But I knew, I knew that the nineties drab was on was looming on around the corner and when i'm watching this movie and watching chasing amy 
God, I hate the style. The the girls wear these baggy pants with no like form to them whatsoever with these cutoff shirts. The guys dress like trash. I'm like, God, I don't want the 90s style to come back. Like freaking Jay and Silent Bob are wearing uh like they're like wearing sweatpants that are cut on top of um a different like length cut long johns underneath so they have like two pairs of pants that are cut at different lengths yeah. i'm like god it's so ugly the 90s were such an ugly style so ugly the only thing uh you know people obviously love brody's t-shirt with that weird image and, and there was always speculation like who was that who's that who's that face you know that's cool uh but man jeremy london's outfit with that Henley with the, with the plaid shirt tied around his waist, which was so iconic for like cool kids back in the day, you know, a Henley with a, with a plaid shirt tied around so bad, man. And it's, and it's like the color schemes are like, uh, you know, military green with like taupe and, and, and and mauve. It's so, so drab. (laughs) It's insane. So yeah. And then, and then Willem's got that, that look of that with that cap with the long hair. I mean, it's just, it's just screams 90. This whole, this whole thing is just nineties. Um, but you know, Willem is trying to see the sailboat. Uh, the running gag is that he can't see it, and like immediately, everyone who looks can see yes. it. So like right away, TS is like, "Oh, it's a sailboat," and he's like, "God damn it!" And that's just that's going to be the 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 running gag of this of this whole thing. Yes, um, but. We he does tell them that the stage is is for this new game show called Truth or Date, Truth or Date, um, and and uh, TS knows that that's you know Mr. Spinning's game show, and so they're like, okay, we got to go look more into this. You know, they sort of leave Wilhelm to Wilhelm to do his thing and keep looking at the picture. This will be this will be something that will pay off. I, I will say Kevin Smith does a good job of like planting things that will pay off in this movie like the 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 issues that we have with the acting aside and also just the directing i will say he's a good screenwriter in that he he does know how to like layer things in you know he does know how to do that but i don't think he's the most exciting when it comes to like camera shots and 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 scene structure those kind of things i don't think he's that exciting but he doesn't have to be It, it doesn't necessarily need to have that but it's just my own personal preference i've always thought he was he was very static his his movies are always very statically shot i thought yeah there's like a little bit of a disconnect throughout and yeah. and to be honest with you if this was a indie movie and i was seeing it at like the the camera three which was like our the local art house theater in san jose i might have a different take on it overall um just knowing that it was like this big budget thing, I think my expectations were like, oh, it's going to get bigger. No, I mean, it just was, it was just like, uh, okay, there's just scenes where you're just like, uh, that, that kind of ended weird, you know, but then he's got gold scenes throughout as well. Yeah, so. yeah. Yeah, no, and you're, you're right. Like, like there's some stuff that you're like, huh? That was like, like it's and it's always like a technical thing. I'm always like, oh, yes. that was like technically a little wonky. But then he'll the next scene he'll do some sort of awesome piece of dialogue, and you're like, ah, that's that's what Kevin Smith is all about, right there. You know, and he's not. Yeah, his movies. This movie almost feels like it could have been turned into a stage play. I totally feel you on that, uh, Jafiel. But 
you know, Josh Jaffiel. <laughs> Jaffiel. Mm, yes. Uh, you know, and the only time again it, it falls flat is when 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 Jeremy London is 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 rolling off his lines, and it just feels like it doesn't feel legit. He feels like he's just, you know, uh, someone's coaching him through the scene. When when Jeremy London is required to carry the scene, yes. that's when the movie truly takes a dip, unfortunately. Yeah. Jeremy I, London, yeah. for me, he's not as bad when he's bouncing off of Jason Lee when it's him and Brody, but in the few times where it's just Jeremy London, that's when I think it's much more noticeable because, like— Yes, he is a bit dry and everything, which works because it, you know, against Brody because Brody is so big and 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 gregarious, and you need like a, a sort of a straight man to kind of play off of him. But when that straight man is by himself, then you're like, oh god, just you know, get me out of this scene. Yeah, yeah, because because there's you know, Brody will will give his whole kind of rant about something, and then and then I think Jeremy, Jake. Uh, T T S Elliot T T C No T it's T S Quint. <laughs> yeah. Taking care of business. Uh T C B. He you know, he should be just be like throwing out like little little one liners here and there. But they kinda have to have him have his also equal amount of dialogue in that same scene. You're like, oh, no, but you're trying to act against somebody who's really hitting at home a lot harder than you are. No offense, you know, it just doesn't doesn't click. And you're right. When he's yeah. when he's just kind of the side man, it's way better. Yeah. Yes. I, I yep, yep, yep. Um we find out that, you know, he's upset that obviously Brandy is getting auctioned off on live TV uh, by her dad, you know, when they just broke up. Obviously, that would make anybody upset. And then uh, Brody's like, well, you know, we, we, uh, we're going to take it down. You know, we're going to uh, yes. take down the establishment, you know, because that's, that's what a best friend does is, is stand by you while you make bad decisions, I guess. <laughs> and as you get yeah. older, you realize that that's actually not what a best friend should do. A best friend should actually try to help you make better decisions. But when you're in your, your mid twenties and your early twenties and your teens, when you're watching this movie, you're like, yeah, best friend, get into some shit with me, you know? <laughs> well, yeah, it's basically like, what you know, what, what, what can we do to make you feel better? Yeah. And I'll back you up on that. And I'll back you up on it. So it's, it, it's, I like it. I do like yeah. it. And, um, enter Jay and silent Bob. I love how they're introduced <laughs> in this movie. My wife will tell you when we watched it the first time, that first scene when, when Jay is dancing, I was doing all the dances with him. And then I would do the tap, tap, tap. I mean, he is, is, is electric. Jason Mewes right here at this scene in this and the music is perfect. Like, and, and I guess they had, it must've had it playing because he was, he was tapping, you know, on the window on beat and everything. And what a perfect introduction to a phenomenal character. And I, and I'm just referring to Jason Mewes as Jay. Yeah. I mean, minus the fact that who knows what sort of drugs were going on in his body. And, you know, I know he's had issues, whatever. It's like the guy is gold. He's gold. He's uh, fucking gold, man. Gold. Like <laughs> and he, and he's th- on he's on fire every second that he's on screen. Yeah. One of the things I read in the IMDb was like uh, Seth Green was on call waiting to 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 fill that role in case they needed him just in case to fly out there to, to take over the role of Jay. 
No fucking way. And if you interviewed J- Seth Green now, he'd probably be like, yeah, no, that, that, that was a good call because there's, there's no way, dude, no way. You dude. don't, re- it's like replacing the Fonz with, you know, Alan Thicke. It's like, it's not the same thing. You know, it's, they I, might, I'm going <laughs> to go on record. I want to go on record and officially say that Jason Muse is a national treasure. I, I yes. think he doesn't get enough respect for how truly awesome he is as someone who turned into this even though you could say oh he just always was himself but you got to realize no like he he had to take a conscious effort to to become this 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 person and he he whether he's an actor quote-unquote like a traditionally trained actor or not he he nails it he comes on screen as jay and it's freaking awesome and i never want to look away you know i think you can hold him in the same regards as as a Wee herman or a, uh, yeah. or a, you know, or, or Ernest, where it's like they've become that character and you only know them for that character, but they're playing a character, you know, even if it might be somewhat similar to who they are in real life, still playing a character and he's doing it yeah. and he's, and he's cutting the rug. Yeah. I love how he's like banging against the, it's the pet store window and like he's just, <laughs> Trying to get the cat's attention or whatever. (laughs) (laughs) And then, you know, uh, so Silent Bob is is trying to do a Jedi mind trick with with his cigarette here and or use the force to make it levitate or whatever. But the the cool thing was, again, this was another thing as a kid. um, I'm a huge Star Wars nerd. So like seeing like anyone reference Star Wars in a movie like this, I'm like, oh my God, this is another thing that just sort of ingratiated Kevin Smith to me where I'm just like, oh, someone else loves Star Wars as much as I do because you could just tell that like Star Wars is just a part of Kevin Smith's like DNA. It's, yeah. there's no, I, you, you, Zach, you know me, there, there's no taking Star Wars out of me. If you took Star Wars out of me, it would be a huge part of my personality would just disappear. It, it's just a part of my life. And so seeing that, you know, seeing someone love Star Wars as much as I did, and of course we already knew that going into this because there's a huge, you know, discussion about the Death Star in, in Clerks. So, you know, Kevin Smith being a Star Wars fan was nothing new, but this kind of just like solidified it for me right here. Well, this, I, I think this was the first time mainstream that, uh, nerds. And I include myself in that when I say nerds, we're, we're getting that moment of like, yeah, somebody finally gets me. Like, these are great references. This, these references had not been made. They're made all over the place. Now, Kevin Smith was a huge influence on people for this sort of thing. Yeah, like if Kevin Smith came out now, you would say he was a hack because everyone else is doing it. But yeah. you got to understand, he was one of the people that started it. It was like it, the 90s are so crazy, like him and Tarantino. It's like these 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 nerds got a hold of cameras and, and were able to like make movies about yeah. people who love movies. You know, yeah. whatever genre it was, there was a love for movies inside of the movie, you know, it yep. was so meta and, and yeah, I'm sure there were meta things before that, but I really, in my gut, I kind of feel like the whole meta referential thing started in the nineties. I think you're right. I don't, I, I honestly can't think of it anything prior to Tarantino and Kevin Smith. I can't. Yeah. And those guys were there. And, and they, now it's so normal. Yeah. Cause everyone, everyone does it now. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Sure. Um, 
yeah. You're like, huh, yeah, okay. <laughs> um, so so and I love their interaction. I love how Jay and, and Brody do that dance thing, you know, yeah. and, and I love how I just – you can tell – that it just they were gelling in real life, you know, and it was just a good time when they were doing that scene. It just I love it. But, uh, you know, he, Brody tells asks them, he's like, hey, you know, tells him what's going on, you know, kind of uh, fills them in on, on saving T.S.'s love life. Can they trash? the stage and they were like shit we were gonna do that anyways and they're like oh you were he's like what else are we gonna do and I, I love that i love the fact that like the catalyst of this movie was gonna happen regardless no matter what uh but the, apparently they have a, a blueprint of the stage and um because of the blueprint they know that there's this one key pin that's kind of holding the entire stage together the only problem is LaFours. And who's LaFours, you ask? You don't know who LaFours is? He's only the most feared security guard in the business, man. 460 collars, all convicted. I hear he's even got two kills. <laughs> that right there is my favorite, and Diallo will tell you, that is my favorite line from this entire movie. Anytime I see Sven Olofsson, I'm always like, he even has two kills. And I love it. It's <laughs> it's genius writing because one kill is an accident. Two kills is he is proficient at what he does. <laughs> and he does it with a, uh, with a barbershop quartet hat on his head. I know, and... He makes that fucking hat look cool. I'm sorry. Like, La- fucking LaFours is fucking awesome because of that hat. I'm and- surprised <laughs> it didn't come back, man. I'm surprised it didn't come back. I know. I know. So, of course, Brody gives uh, gives Jay shit for being scared of a mall security guard, you know. And that <laughs> that just gets Jay fired up into, uh, into like, this. He starts acting like Wolverine, and, and he starts going, shnink, shnink. And then I, my Stickety wife snick. loved the fact that they actually put in the sound effects of him making the the shnink 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 noise and she's like oh that was actually kind of cool that they put the sound effects in. i was like you know what that was actually kind of cool like i like that that kevin smith did that we um, did that shit cool. all the time dude like that that sound effect that snickety snick or whatever yeah, yeah. back in the day that the, like they used to copy that shit all the time. So yeah, seeing it on screen, you're like, oh my god, he's doing the line for the. I will say, like putting in like sound, you know, sound effects even just helped it make it even better. I will say that that Wolverine uh, during the late '80s, early '90s, when Wolverine had his whole like the samurai storyline yeah. and mm-hmm. Punisher and Daredevil, like that was the shit I was really into. I was into the dark and dirty Marvel uh, at that time when he was like Logan, you know, and and didn't wear his yeah. his gear. That's the shit I just ate up. So yeah, yeah. There you go. And and to and just to let everybody know, uh, the first comic book I actively collected like you know i was like okay i need the next issue was punisher so i've always had a punisher uh, uh affinity so uh <laughs> of course the scene ends with a uh, ts you know highly doubts that they can pull it off and then is that when um brody says you have a little faith want a cookie yeah yeah yes and yes, I, it is. i use that line incessantly for at least a decade nice nice 
All right, we cut back to uh, Willem still looking at the magic picture. Oh, buddy, I, this is another one. This is another one of my favorite quotes from the entire movie. So as he's <laughs> yeah. looking at the picture, a group of kids come up, and they look at it, and right away, one of the kids goes, wow, it's a schooner. And this <laughs> is my favorite. <laughs> Willem goes, <laughs> you dumb bastard. It's not a schooner. It's a sailboat. It, a schooner is a sailboat, stupid head. You know what? <laughs> there is no Easter Bunny. Over there, that's just a guy in a suit. But I love how he calls a kid, you dumb bastard. <laughs> and, and by the way, this is an Easter movie. So uh, there's not many Easter movies out there. You know, if if you mm-hmm. if you got if you're trying to do a, a, a an an advent calendar of holiday films, throw an Easter movie. Mall Rats is an Easter movie. That's right. That's right. That's good point, buddy. I didn't even think of that. We cut back to the eatery, sort of. Uh, Brody is telling T.S. that Superman <laughs> and Lois Lane could never have uh, have sex because it would kill her. Uh, again, this is like conversations that like me and Luke would have. You know, it's just. It's so just perfect. I mean, it's just it's so obvious that Kevin Smith is a comic book nerd, you yes. know. And honestly, at this point, it, this is a conversation that I've now heard from like in other movies, you know. And I feel like he was the first person to sort of put that put this out there into the the zeitgeist, which is that yeah, you know, Superman cannot have sex with Lois Lane. Even when I was a kid, I was like, how could this even be? For me, it always seemed more natural that Wonder Woman would would be teamed up with sexually with Superman. I, I just feel like was... Superman would have to hold back all the time. Like, it wouldn't be fun for him, right? Like, you know what I mean? Like, he couldn't give Lois, like, a good pounding. Yeah, I, I won't I won't go into too much detail about what my brother and his friends used to, how used, they used to describe it. Uh, <laughs> but they watched a lot, well, the bus, I th- I'm not going to, no, I'll throw it. They used to watch a lot of porn back in the day and equate that <laughs> to comic books and um, subject me to that, un- unfortunately. And uh, this is just fact, you know. And so here you are, like, throwing out these references. I I would pick up on that. And so when I saw it in the movie, I'm like, oh, yeah, I've heard that before. (laughs) (laughs) I've heard that that conversation before. It was not a good one either. (laughs) Oh, God, no. Um, But then (laughs) in the reason I said the reason I said kind of the eatery, then, of course, they transition into a a conversation on whether the the cookie stand is a a part of the eatery. It's at this point, I feel like that's that's the the least interesting thing. It's it's something that like now is so normal, I guess, to have these conversations in a movie about stupid shit. Like yeah. that back then, it was a big deal, you know. Back, it's like, oh back my god, then. they're talking yeah. stupid crap about. Oh, is the eatery a part of the food court? Blah blah blah. But you know, now you're like, I'm watching it now. I'm like, man, this dialogue is pointless to the story, you know. It, it is, it is. But and and I will say, not. To, I don't want to shit on him, but too much. But Jeremy London's wrong. Like, that that's not a part of the food court. Like, it, it is yeah. so obviously not a part of the food court. And that, and I think your point to your point, it is so and such an insignificant conversation or argument to have. It's like saying that Oreo cookies are better without the filling. You know, it's, it's just not, no, 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 no. There's no, there's no thing. You just don't Reese's pieces, buttercup without the peanut butter is better. No, it's just chocolate. (laughs) Yes. Just just chocolate. You want chocolate? Just, just, that's just chocolate. Fucking Hershey bar. um, 
Yeah, yeah. And uh, it, it, you know, he, he does, Brody does sort of cut off halfway into the conversation because it leads this. into the next scene. And he sees, he stands up and, and T.S. is like, where are you going? He goes, Cherchez la femme. And which is the name of, I th- I th- you never see it, but I believe that's the name of the store that she's in. Uh, <laughs> so we cut to Renee's kind of looking through the clothes rack and, you know, he, he's kind of saddles up next to her. Brody sort of saddles up next to her and he's like, that would look terrible on you. And it's a good line, but you know, it's, it's whatever. It's, it's a good line if he was actually picking her up, but, uh, she quickly puts him in his, in his place. Um, you know, she's like, didn't I dump your ass this morning? And, you know, he's like, oh, you know, you don't have to apologize. I'm sure you were just probably PMSing, which, you know, yeah, right Jesus. there is like, man, again, again, as much as I love Brody, I'm like, you're just, man, you're kind of a dick. You are kind of a dick in this movie. He is a dick. He's a dick. And I hated that as a kid. Uh, and I still do the whole idea of like the, the, the bonehead uh loser type is getting the hot chick it's like no it's not supposed to go that way but girls love their sleaze balls <laughs> they they do that that they do um but <laughs> it, but again this is like again this is one of those things where i was painfully aware of you know 20 year old Corey or shit when this movie came out it was 95 i was i think 16 or 15 and i was like oh yeah brody totally man and now that i'm 42 i'm like oh you don't deserve Renee you yeah. are an asshole like yeah. and and kind of sadly we'll get to this at the end but I don't think his character actually really grows and no. that's kind of a problem for me um, but we'll, we'll get there and, and maybe I'm wrong maybe by the time we get there in this conversation I'll see that I'm wrong but going into this review I kind of had a problem with Brody not really ever growing so we'll, but we'll see he, maybe he, he did maybe he did and I just sort of missed it he doesn't Actually, in my opinion, and it reminds me and it's it's just it's just sheer coincidence, but it reminds me of uh, Chris Penn's character in the very little known or unknown uh, 1984 The Wildlife. He's the lead actor in the film, like the main character of the film. And he's a douche. He's a douche. He's a douche. Yeah. Yeah. And it's not nothing redeeming. And you're just like, okay, that that kind of brings down the movie a little bit, just a little bit. Yeah, I mean, I mean, I will say that that conversely, yes, Brody is a douche, but he is a likable douche. He's a likable douche, and that's his Chris that's Penn his biggest like saving his... grace here. You know, yeah. yeah. Um, fun yeah. fact: uh, so Shannon Doherty's, you know, she's tr- looking at outfits in that in that store, and apparently there was a clause under contract. Whatever she tried on or whatever she wore in the movie, she got to take home and keep. That's why she's like in three different outfits in the in the movie. <laughs> Okay, that makes sense because I was wondering why she changed outfits and no one yeah. else did. That's there you go. hilarious. Okay, yes. all right. Well, good for her, I guess. Um, <laughs> I know, right? So, so of, of course, Brody's like, you know, if you want to keep up with this charade of us being divorced, then I want my stuff back. Uh, Punisher War, War Journal number six, my <laughs> copy of Fletch, <laughs> and the remote for my TV. Uh, one, I used to read Punisher War Journal, and I have Punisher War Journal number six. And I love the Fletch reference because I don't think it was n- at this time he wasn't in talks for it. But it's funny how later on Jason Lee would be in talks to be playing Fletch. But it's a nice little reference because it already it shows that, that Kevin Smith does love Fletch. Yeah. Uh, a movie that both you and I very much enjoy as of well. Of course. 
Dr. Rosen penis. <laughs> Where the hell is the records room? <laughs> Come What's again. Going on? <laughs> Dr. Dr. Rosen Rosen. <laughs> God. Uh, God uh, that, I'm, I'm it, hyperventilating here. Can uh <laughs> can I have a paper bag? It, and guys, just just so you know, the Dr. Rosen penis scene slash sort of lines, micro scene, whatever you want to call it, is one of like my top ten favorite scenes in any movie ever is the Dr. Rosen penis scenes. That we will never cover that movie because we would just quote the entire film. But yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> You're like, yeah, <laughs> same. Uh, uh, but I do, are you recording I do... this? No, no, never. <laughs> I do love. I do love Renee's response though, and she's like, she she puts her hand in his hair, and she's like, you know, I always took your shit with a grain of salt, you know. She kind of lists off these sort of things, but if you think I'm gonna put up with your shit now that we're broken up, and she kind of grabs his hair, she's like, you're in for a rude awakening. And it's funny because you know he's kind of acting cocky with all the people around him, and then she totally just destroys his spot right there. Yep. Yep. I mean, it's, and that's the, and you know, even when I was younger, I w- I like was like, yeah, I'm kind of with Renee on this one, you know? Yeah, clearly. Uh, a Shannon Doherty character. Uh, we cut back to Jay and Silent Bob, and this is their first attempt to uh, sort of sabotage the stage. And this one involves taking out LaFours by knocking him out with a sock full of quarters uh, <laughs> and then kind of taking out the pen, right? And so. It's great because all of this is illustrated by this awesome, like, blueprint, you know, thing. But I love how Jay and Silent Bob are stick figures, but they're really, like, well-done stick figures, you know? Yeah, it's it's a cool, it's a very cartoonish, it it is an homage to... um... Uh, Roadrunner, uh, right? Wiley Coyote. Wiley Coyote. Yeah. 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 It, yeah. And I was going to say, too, LaFour is apparently he's named after uh, the sheriff in Butch Cassidy and the Sundance Kid, who also oh. wears a straw hat and white straw hat. Uh, in that. So that's why that's what he's named after. You know, knowing that like every other name in this movie is a reference to something, I assumed LaFour's was something, but I I didn't know what it was. But that makes sense, you know, knowing Kevin yeah. Smith, Butch Cassidy and Sundance Kid, that makes sense. So when when Kevin Smith, or, I'm sorry, when Silent Bob, uh, it's time for him to enact this plan. He, he starts running, and, you know, good job to Kevin Smith. Honestly, I thought his physical humor was very well done for somebody who's clearly not, like, uh, an actor, a, a trained actor, at least maybe at this point, you know. But he, I think he does a great job of, of doing everything he has to do in this movie. Oh, he's he's great. He's, he's a... He's a... He's a he's a good actor. He's a good actor. Yeah. Yeah. I think and he I, is. I honestly I, truly think he is. I love this scene really uh for like little moments because you know they 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 kind of brush up that kid with his little wooden car and then when yeah. the kid throws the car out they do a close up of the car and you can see the faces now because of DVD or Blu-ray you can see the faces of the people in the car the little wooden people and they've got like these Mr. Bill like oh no Kind of faces, <laughs> oh, know. that's awesome. That's a great little gag. I didn't even pick up on that. That's fantastic. <laughs> yeah, straight up like Mr. Bill kind of look. 
So, so like you said, uh, uh, Silent Bob goes running. He steps on the car. It's it almost acts like a skateboard, uh, you know, because it's kind of like a flatbed sort of truck. Um, but I love how he just goes flying right by LaFour's, and LaFour's just standing there reading his magazine, and then the the, the sack of coins just lands in LaFour's hands. And LaFour's never talks. He just like looks up, and and I like it. I, although I do like his, his expression in the second attempt better, and we'll, we'll get that to that in a, a few minutes. But it was great. He, it, the, the, the quarters just land and and Kevin Smith just sort of goes flying into a dressing room and Joey Lauren Adams is kind of getting dressed and he kind of smashes into her and she's like God and this is not the one where you see her nude but this is the precursor to that and she kind of like is like God damn it because he scares the shit out of her and yeah. it's it's funny it's funny it's I honestly it's Jay and Silent Bob are my favorite parts of this entire movie truthfully yeah ditto yeah here's an interesting little scene we brody and ts are going down an escalator and they see a kid riding an escalator but he's like sitting on the 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 escalator stairs while his mom or whatever is just sort of standing next to him and brody just like lays into him he's like i hope that kid gets you know sucked into the escalator and a bloodbath ensues and of course ts is like what do you like? Why are you so angry? He's like, don't don't get me wrong. I don't wish any ill will on the kid, but his mother should have to you know endure that horrific uh, you know thing to to respect the elevator. And again, it's just it's Brody's just getting he gets fired up about things, and that it's just, it's a character thing. But at the same time, you know, I, I kind of got the sense that Kevin Smith was doing a little ranting of his own, you know, yeah. and and doing remember it again. around that time, like like remember around that time, like escalator. Like it was kind of news thing that escalators were killing people because my dad, like they're sh- what your dad died on it. No, no, my dad had to uh, save a kid from from who got stuck in an elevator or sorry escalator. They had to use the jaws. Okay. My dad was a firefighter, and yeah. they had to use the jaws of life to pry the uh, the escalator stairs open to uh, to rescue this kid who got his foot stuck in there. Dude, I mean. Like, so, yeah. you, like the idea that people get sucked into those things and killed is like one of my top five most. That's not the way I want to die. You know what I mean? My brother used to push the emergency stop all the time on them, you know, just Jesus. to be a dick at the malls <laughs> and shit. Jesus. He was the guy who would ride a skateboard through the mall and the security guard would be like, hey, get back here. Get off the skateboard. You know, my brother's like, Fuck so you. Eric is is Jay and Silent Bob then. He totally is. Yes. Okay. Yes. Okay. And this is we're talking about Eric right now. Yes, Nashon? we're talking about Eric, not okay. Sean. Okay. Okay. <laughs> oh, Eric. <laughs> oh, Sean. <Yeah. laughs> uh, oh, Sean and Eric. Um, we uh, all of a sudden Brody sees Trish and kind of heads over to her. Uh, Trish is sort of sitting at like a, sort of like a fountain and and you know reading her book or maybe she's on uh, on. Uh, bench it doesn't matter uh but of course brody does the dick thing of walking up to her and smacks the the book out of her hand it's it's something we've done to girls uh when we were younger and now look back on it and realize it's a real dick move to do um but he does it and he introduces trish to to ts and he says uh trish the dish and she's like nobody calls me that but i always liked (laughs) i always loved how he says trish the dish yeah i love that too but 
Apparently, she is 15, and she is uh, a senior in high school, um, or she just graduated, but or she's something like that. But she's super smart, and she's writing a book on. It's called Borgasm, the 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 sexual prowess of of the the male the 90s male 14 to 30. So apparently, she's <laughs> having sex with guys and videotaping it completely with the consent of her parents and with the person. Um, yeah. But she is videotaping her having sex and then marking down sort of how the sex was. And so watching this now, knowing that this is going to be a huge sort of uh, plot point later for, for Ben Affleck's character and everything, the fact that she's getting consent from people, does that negate, like would, would, would Shannon go to jail for that? You know, because she got the consent. I think it's still statutory rape. I mean, I okay. think it is because because even if you get consent, I don't. The fact that there's laws that say, as long as your parents sign off on this, it's okay. No fucking way. No, yeah. dude, it's not. No, I mean, whoever, this is wrong. So it's so gross. You know, it's so gross. And ultimately, you know, it doesn't matter. Like, it's a plot thing, and, and, and it pays off later. But, you know, now when I'm watching, I'm like, okay, but if she got consent from her parents and from the person to videotape it, would that still put them in a legal trouble, you know, type of thing, because they were having sex with a 15-year-old? And I guess I think the answer so. is yes. I, I mean, I don't know. I, I Thank God I don't know. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You know I'm saying – yeah, I know. It's uh, yeah, and it, and the answer is, don't have sex with a fifteen-year-old. That's just not right. Period. So it's just, and I almost wondered why Kevin Smith didn't make her like, well, no, because then Shannon wouldn't have gone to jail at the end. Okay, so all right, well, yeah. Anyways, it just um, makes Trish the joke. The so it just makes the joke yeah. that much better, though. To be yeah. honest with you, you know. Yeah, and, and sometimes you should. just sixteen years old. You know that song? Do you know that song? Of course, of course. Into the night. That guy just died the other uh, few uh, last month. Oh shit! All right. Benny well, Mar- okay. Benny Mardronis. Um. She now we do find out. <laughs> we do find out that she got a twenty thousand dollar advance from Pendant Publishing, which is a Seinfeld reference. Oh really? Yep. Uh, Elaine. Elaine worked at Pendant Publishing, and there is no other Pendant Publishing. So like, if you Google Pendant Publishing, it is like Seinfeld. So that that was a a Seinfeld reference. And I was like, yay, good job. Was it wait, was Seinfeld on at the same time that this was? That this yeah, this out? was ninety five. This okay. was ninety five. Seinfeld. Um, right now on Cartwright, a Seinfeld podcast. We are about to wrap up season four, and that was nineteen ninety three. So they were already yeah, like in it. Like so when they, when this came out, Seinfeld was still happening. But the whole Pendant Publishing thing actually, Elaine worked at Pendant Publishing earlier in Seinfeld. So that lines up like that would be a direct reference at that point in time. All right, cool. Right on. Yeah. Yeah. It's kind of neat. Kind of neat. Um, but, uh, but we do find out that her last night's subject was Shannon from fashionable male. <laughs> uh, and it's kind of unclear to certain parts of the movie. I couldn't figure out if he owned fashionable male or if he was the manager, but they did say proprietor and proprietor is the owner, right? It, the proprietor is the owner, but he's too young to, to I mean. I, and I never thought that he owned fashionable male until I'm watching it now. And Kevin Smith drops words that made me think that, that Shannon actually owned fashionable male. 
I always thought he was the manager, but yeah. yeah. I, I did too. I did too. I mean, that yeah. makes sense. It would make sense that he's the owner, but he's a little young to be an owner. Yeah. 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 No, I'm, I'm that's what I'm saying. I'm, I'm completely like with you uh, on, on that part of it. But it doesn't matter. But uh, it's funny that uh, Brody <laughs> keeps getting distracted by the uh, by the escalator. He's, you know, he, he like he's seeing the kid. He's like yelling and everything. And, yeah. uh, you know, and then, of course, like Trish seems to know about the plans for, for TS to propose to Brandy because she's already like, I heard you were going to propose at Universal Studios. Like, How do you know? And it's, it's just, you yeah. know, getting out and everyone's just sort of talking about it. I do love that part. Yeah, I do, too. And uh, they they kind of leave Trish to her thing to go to the comic book store uh when they get to the comic book store there's a huge line there and uh you know of course this makes brody mad brody's almost gets into like the fight with a fight with the, the two guys that own the place and of course those guys that's walt flanagan uh one of the guys is walt flanagan the other one is um not mosier uh, he's the other one it's they're basically uh kevin smith's friends and those are the guys that actually work at his Secret stash now, uh, you know, is is Walt Flanagan. And when I worked at Diamond Comic Distributors, uh, they were not one of my accounts, you know, because I was a customer service rep. But I did get Walt Flanagan out of the queue one time. Yeah. Okay. Nice. Yeah. The other yeah. guy is Brian Johnson. Um, okay. And and yeah. And and Steve Dave. Tell him Steve Dave. Yeah. Tell him, uh, Steve, Dave. Yeah, the, it's like these <laughs> names. It's great because like these, I remember them, and I and like watching it again. I'm like, oh yeah, Steve, Dave, and and Walt, Walt Flanagan's dog. You know, I just <laughs> just these names that I I re, just I just remember. You know, even when I was like in high school, I would say that that like you know that person faster than Walt Flanagan's dog. You know, like for some reason, I would just I would I just knew these names. It's, it's I think, really it's just a blast from my past. You know. Yeah, that it, it was bringing back memories because for me too because i think i think uh tell him steve dave i think that was my 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 constant line i was reciting from this movie yep i said it all the fucking time (laughs) (laughs) out of the way red but um (laughs) but but they find out they they almost get into a fight with uh steve dave and walt flanagan and in doing so, they're, the security's about to escort them out, and then someone yells, "Call the paramedics!" The kids, a kid is stuck in the escalator. So yeah. you know everything that he feared uh, uh, came true with that with that kid. And the security guards have to go running off. And then TS is like, "Hey, you know who's who? You know what's going on here?" And he's about to punch a guy. Oh, it looks like he's going to punch a guy. This bald guy. And that, by the way, that bald guy is the cinematographer of the movie. Um, oh. He actually looks like a very young grant morrison but uh he, he says that it's it's stan lee and and of course like brody's like freaking out that like how did i not know stan lee was gonna be there and i'm like honestly yeah how did how did you not know stan lee was gonna be there because that's fucking that's a that would have been a huge or huge deal they would have known that because they would have been announcing that for weeks in advance yes and but if he's you know held up in his home uh playing sega and reading comic books maybe and, and this is pre-internet so maybe he wasn't you know hip to the uh yeah you would think yeah whatever you're right he's going to the mall all the time he wouldn't have known about that yeah yeah but it, yeah. again speaks, I, I to, speaks to his douchiness because yeah he should have known that shit exactly you're right exactly and maybe maybe you know what maybe 
Maybe it is a character thing. He wouldn't know that because he's so wrapped up in his own self-involved world that he wouldn't yep. have even noticed that that Stanley was going to be there. And knowing there that the Steve Dave and, and the other guy didn't really care for him, they probably, when he would buy his comics, they probably didn't offer that information up anyways. <laughs> probably not. Probably not, because why would you want that D-bag there? Yeah, exactly. Um, <clears throat> We cut to the second attempt of Silent Bob versus LaFours. This one is my favorite one. Uh, Silent Bob is dressed up like Batman, and this is kind of like his his first time that he's he really dons this this fat man Batman persona. This it's, is the it's, best. Yep. Yeah, and 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 the funny thing is. The, the 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 silent bob batman has a very specific look and it always sort of stayed the same you know the silent bob batman yeah and I, I like that i'm like oh look it's silent bob batman it's not just silent bob doing make dressed up like batman but it, it's his version and it's very consistent with moving forward how kevin smith portrays silent bob in that form i like that there's some things in this movie that are just Right when Kevin Smith put them out, they were just fully formed. And and moving forward, it's how it's just always going to be in his universe, you know. And I like and that. I think that's really cool. Yeah, dude. It's he's iconic. He's got he's got his own action figure, you know. Yeah. Yes, he does. I have it. I have the Jay and Silent Bob action figures, uh, and I think they have lots of them, you know, uh, over over time. But uh, so so he's gonna he's gonna fly over LaFour's and pull the pin out. So that's what the plan is. And when he gets up there to fly, fly, fat ass, fly. <laughs> it was great. <laughs> I love Jay. I just, I love him. But one of my favorite shots of the movie is when Kevin Smith, or I'm sorry, Silent Bob flies over LaFour's and like the wind of him knocks LaFour's hat off. I just love the way LaFour's looks at the camera. Just, just He just looks up. I don't know yeah. why. It's just perfect. It's just perfect. And I, I feel like what you said earlier when, when it's like the, the, the scene, I think this is a perfect example. Like the escalator scene and the, and the comic book scene, line scene, I thought were very poorly made, especially the comic book line scene. But then yes. you follow it up with just pure comedic genius yes. that happens on screen. And it's just the way Sven just looks. It's just the his look that he gives is just perfect it's gold absolutely yep. perfect yeah it's so good it's so good it's so good he and he's like bring bring out maybe the best performance and he doesn't say shit through the whole movie so. he doesn't say anything and yet he says everything with his with his strikingly blue eyes my wife was like man that guy's eyes are crazy uh, I was like, yeah. And then I do like this. So Kevin Smith kind of keeps swinging. He misses the pen, can't grab it, and then goes right into this sort of billboard that's kind of like on the other side of what uh, the tra- the dressing room for, for Gwen. Um, and now she's actually in like mid-dress, and, and you get to see her topless, uh, uh, Joey Lord and Adams topless. And as yep. someone who had a crush on her when I was younger, I was like, oh, that was a... Again, it was a, this movie was awesome because it was like two little dreams come true. Now, I'll say this. I didn't know at the time that seeing Joey Lord and Adams' topless would be a dream come true because this was kind of my introduction to her. Um, but moving forward, how much I love her moving forward, I'm glad that I have this. But then uh, Priscilla Barnes later is the dream come true. It's a few. There's a few uh, dreams going on for you in this, aren't there? There really are, buddy. And they're all wet. <laughs> that's, that's what I figured. 
Oh, God, no. Yeah. <laughs> All right. We cut back to the food court. Uh, Brody's kind of still like, you know, can't believe that that Stanley, you know, didn't know he was there. Um, T.S. is still kind of, you know, stewing over Brandy. But that's just dialogue leading us into the point of the scene is that Jay and Bob come running in while LaForce is sort of chasing them. And they and Jay and Bob hide, hide behind Brody and T.S. till it's safe. Uh, they say that they are not going to be able to destroy the stage because <laughs> because Bob is a walking calamity. You know, and yes. Jason Muse just nails his lines. Like, dude, knowing that he's not an actor, all right, he is. Obviously, he is an actor. But knowing that he's Jason Muse is not a classically trained actor, no. man, he nails his lines. Granted, we don't know how many he flubbed, but he, he, he nailed the ones that he nails, you know? What eventually makes it to screen is what matters, right? It, it, ex- exactly. A hundred percent exactly. Yes. Uh, yeah. What we have is... Jason Muse on fire as Jay. And yes. and at the end of the day, that's all that matters. Good Abs- call, absolutely. buddy. Good call. Thank you, and you're welcome. <laughs> Check, please. <laughs> hey, everybody. Corey here. I just wanted to let you know that we'll be right back after these short messages. Hey, everybody. Welcome to Talking Back, the podcast where we like to chat about past achievements in movies, comics, video games, and more. I'm your host, Tim, and with me today in studio is co-host Oh, hey, Dean. hey, Tim. Dean. Huh? Uh, this isn't a full episode. This is actually just an ad. All we have to do is tell everyone that our podcasts come out on Mondays, and they can find us on their favorite podcatcher. If they're into movies, comics, or video games, they should definitely check us out. Oh, well then, thanks everybody for listening, and we'll catch you next time. Talking back. Hello everybody, I'm Adam. I'm John. And every week we are giving you a blast from our past. We are the podcast that brings you full-on movie breakdowns, TV show reviews, album reviews, top tens, and more, all from the things of our nostalgic past. So please join us every single week on the Blast From Our Past podcast. You can find us on Spotify, Stitcher, Apple Podcasts, however you listen to podcasts, you can find us, and we would love to have you take a trip with us to the land of nostalgia. I'm Adam. And I'm Corey. And we are the hosts of Cartwright, a Seinfeld podcast. We are breaking down every single episode of Seinfeld as we watch it, reliving this amazing show. That's right. It's a trip down memory lane for all of us 90s kids out there. You can find Cartwright, a Seinfeld podcast on iTunes, Spotify, Podbean, and Patreon. La la la. And now, back to the show. T.S. and Brody see Renee in the food court, and she's talking to Shannon from Fashionable Mail. <laughs> Brody then enlists the help of T.S. to run interference so he can go talk and get some answers, talk to Renee and get some answers. Um, we cut now to an elevator scene, and uh, Shannon, uh, Ben Affleck's character, and Renee are kind of waiting by the elevator. Uh, <laughs> T.S. goes up to Shannon and starts talking to him about his store and everything, but uh, Shannon is immediately annoyed, just immediately annoyed. Yeah. And uh, he, he's kind of like trying to brush T.S. off and everything. And uh, T.S. says, haven't you ever heard that the customer's always right? And this line, this is what I based <laughs> my retail experience on. 
And guys, this is why I should never work in retail ever because this <laughs> is to my core what I truly believe. He looks TS right in the eye and he says, let me tell you something. The customer's always an asshole. <laughs> um, the, uh, the doors to the elevator open up and uh, uh, Brody kind of swoops in. You know, as much as we're kind of shitting on Kevin Smith and how he sort of blocks scenes, I thought he did a great job of making it believable uh, the way he shot this on how Brody could sort of swoop in and, and grab Renee without uh, Ben Affleck sort of seeing him and stuff. I thought he did a good job blocking out what could have been a problematic scene. Yeah, yeah, and a, a couple things I want to point out, too, with this scene is that um, uh, one— Shannon Doherty, I'm like, is she wearing a Degrassi Junior High jacket? Which she is, but it's De- it says Degrassi because he couldn't get the um, license for the actual logo, which apparently he okay. went and ranted about later on on a on a on a. Talk oh, so show. so he so so that's supposed to be a Degrassi, a Degrassi uh, that the the Canadian show, right? That Drake is from. That's yes. supposed to be a reference to that. Yes, yes. Which okay. uh, again, another. Going back to Diallo, Diallo loves Degrassi Junior High, yeah. so yeah, he does. <laughs> yeah, he does. I and you know it's funny. I saw that. I saw it on her jacket, but and I wondered. I was like, is it? And I was like, ah, it can't be. But interesting. That's that's actually pretty interesting. Thanks, yeah. buddy, for that factoid. Um. <laughs> You're welcome. That's what I'm. That's what I'm known for. Snoochy <laughs> boochies. Um, <laughs> in the elevator. Uh, you know, Brody basically starts interrogating Renee. Like, what do you see in this guy? And all that, you know, all that kind of stuff. And, you know, I mean, honestly, she, she, she makes a good point. She's like, look, he's, he's up and at work by 9 a.m. while you're still in bed until one. Now, later yeah. on, we know that he's going to, that, that Shannon's going to be a real piece of shit. But on the surface, you can understand right away what the differences between, you know, uh, Shannon and Brody are. Oh, big time. And I get it. And also, he's he's playing her like a fiddle. Yes, exactly. He's he's a he's a master manipulator. So of course, she's going to be like, oh, you know. And and yeah, you're right about that. He is manipulating her. Um, but uh, <laughs> but uh, you know, it's it's uh, you know, Renee. She fires back. You know, he's up at like 9 a.m. while he's while Brody's still sleeping, and you're all you're doing is playing Sega and watching videos all night and all night, and which has an enormous effect on your libido, and that kind of fires up. Brody to sort of take action because she brought his libido into question and she kind of like he kind of like you know kiss tackles her sort of thing you know and uh I I do like outside huh she looks very uncomfortable yeah no she does she does I I do find it funny that outside uh TS and Shannon like Shannon's actually talking to him now he's like did you did you see her walk on there you know because he's like (laughs) at this point it's they're actually talking I thought that was kind of funny that some like time passed and everything well again Uh, cut back in Hmm? I was gonna say well again that's that's a moment where Jeremy London is is he's good you know he's he's good for what he is because he's he's playing the uh the sidekick when he's playing the sidekick and just like the lap boy it's like you know good on you Yep, I think TS and Jer- slash Jeremy London definitely make for the better sidekick in this movie than the main storyline. Back in the elevator, I do like the dance that Brody does when he's kind of like standing up, you know? He's yeah. like, ooh, sexy, yeah. But he doesn't get it. She's like, that was too little, too late. And he's like, you said it was a good size. I mean, he's completely missing missing the point of what, of what she's saying. Um, but I do, I mean... 
she gets off the elevator and I do like the fact that like, again, I do like the fact how Kevin Smith shoots this. Uh, it's very believable of what could be a not believable sort of interaction. But as Renee's walking off the elevator, uh, TS and Shannon are still standing there. But while T uh, Shannon's looking at Renee, uh, Brody grabs TS and pulls him on the elevator. Shannon sees him. He's like, Hey, you know, it, it's a good job. This is one of the few times that I would say Kevin Smith did a great job just building a scene and, and creating it and just, and it works well. It, it actually works really well. And it's, I say it because it's, it's, it's a, I feel like it's a more complicated scene than we've seen so far in, in his movies. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. I, I agree. Fun, fun, fun fact, by the way, just thinking a lot about Jason Lee or uh, sorry, uh, Jeremy London and T.S. Quint, Henry Thomas apparently was a finalist for the role of T.S. Quint. Henry E.T. Thomas. Oh, no shit. That would have Yeah. Been, I'm totally down with that. And then Alyssa Milano apparently uh, auditioned to be in uh, Renee. So. Okay. Uh, yeah, he wasn't he on the, the Haunting of Hill House uh, just recently, I think? He was. He was. And so this, he was very was good a, in that. Yeah, he, he's a good actor. This And this was at a time when he kind of wasn't really doing a whole lot, so. I feel like there's multiple timelines where there's very different versions of Mallrats. And maybe if we did a show about like a, a Sliders reboot, I would I would make it a joke throughout that the way that they keep track of timelines that they've been to is by the Mallrats casting. That's what I would do if I were to do a show like that. You say you said Sliders, right? Yeah, something like that. I was just, what, yeah. Wasn't Car- was Kari were on Sliders? I kind of feel like she was, but I didn't really watch Sliders. I just kind of knew what the the principle, the, the oh, idea was behind. I it. like your reference, by the way, and 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 she auditioned for the role of uh, Renee and Brandy also, and so did Jenny McCarthy. So there you go. Yeah, it'd be perfect. So it's like it's like, oh, what timeline is this? Oh, it's the timeline where uh, Carrie Wurr is Renee in in Mallrats. Oh, okay, yeah. got it, got it. I'm okay, cool understood. And apparently, I mean, too. look, if you go on IMDb, there's a shit ton of fun facts. I, I'm not going to list them all off because, you know, people can go check it out for themselves. But it's just nice every now and then I'm like, you know, as we're breaking this down, I, I it'll pop up on the screen as well. I'm like, oh, that's a, interesting. OK, cool. Yeah. Keep them coming, baby. Keep them coming. Um, they're kind of in the in the stairwell, and T.S. and Brody are kind of like running down the stairwell. Uh, Brody's like, you know, talking about, you know, he's checking his pulse, and, and you know, T.S. is like, oh, you're glowing. And, you know, this is when I think T.S. starts to realize, like, hey, you actually really like Renee. You're not all just blow hard you know yeah. um you know i'll just talk you know but but it kind of gets cut short because as ts is talking to brody uh, uh uh gwen played by joy lauren adams runs up behind ts and puts her hands around his eyes but he does the the immediately like the elbow backwards which yeah. just hits her right in the boob and she just drops like a sack of shit so but then i love how she immediately just hammer punches his dick and he's like oh and he drops like a sack of shit i i love that little interact interaction and again uh, ts jeremy london is great when he's playing off of somebody when he's the when he's like just a an ingredient in the scene versus the actual main thrust of this scene and i think he does a good job of 
like when when he hits her in the elbow, like elbows her in the boob, he, you know, I think he does a good job being like, oh God, I'm sorry. Like, like there are moments that I do think Jeremy London does a good job, but yeah. it's just it's not always. And, and you, I gotta wonder too. The number one job of a director is to direct the actors. So if Jeremy London is not doing a good job in this movie, that's on Kevin Smith and nobody else, truthfully. But I maybe it's maybe you know uh, Kevin Smith wasn't that strong of a director at the time to sort of push an actor forward, and he was just had to rely on the actor's like ability on their own. And you know uh, Jason Lee was just is just all he's all persona, like he's all charisma. And maybe maybe Jeremy London just needed a, a better a, a director to to push him in the right direction. You know? Yeah. No, I or I, Jeremy I... London just sucks. I don't know. <laughs> I think it's a both and. Yeah. Yeah. It's in, in, but, but never, I mean, it's always the director's job is to direct the actor. And as much Agreed. as we love Kevin Agreed. Smith and, and how, you know, he create he, he's an auteur and he crafts these worlds. His number one job is still on set is to direct the actors. And I do think sometimes people like him and George Lucas, I do think they get like wrapped up in the bigger picture and they don't do as good of a job on the, the minutia, you know, of, of things, but that's, nothing wrong with that just it's it's a style thing but i just think jeremy london probably just needed maybe a little bit firmer of a hand maybe a more um confident director maybe you know um <laughs> but we do we actually do get some some backstory here uh tia i think T, gwen and ts used to date and everything um but she did just run into brandy uh, behind back back Backstage, basically. And, uh, uh, you know, she knows about Brandy and TS breaking up and all that kind of stuff. And uh, But she does say that she just ran into Brandy backstage. So that makes TS go running because he's like, oh, okay, she's here. She's here at the mall. So he, he goes off running, running and Brand Brody asks if TS needs uh I'm sorry. Brody asks Gwen if he needs her rubber boob, you know. I like that. I always like that little uh, you need me to help you with that type of thing. I was like, "Ah, good good job." Cuz that's what that's what 19-year-old me would have said. It's a little bit of a fletch thing too, you know. Can I Yeah, yeah. Oh, good. You know, oh shit. You're right. That is a fletch reference that I totally missed. Yep. Oh, I love you, buddy. Thank you. Yeah, Thank you is... for making me love this movie more and love Fletch more. <laughs> Um, at the uh, the game show stage, uh, we see Mr. Svenning chewing out some poor stagehand who is actually Walt Flanagan. It's it's the the same fanboy from the line earlier, uh, but now he's got like a, a mustache on. I don't know why they they did Walt Flanagan twice in this, but uh, I, was like, I okay, don't know. It's funny job. though because it's so yeah, it's painful. He nails obvious. it. Yeah, <laughs> he does a good job. He does a good job. And actually, did you notice that this whole scene was a one-take uh, scene, including, like, the camera movement and everything through the stage? It was yeah. all one take, which, good. I mean, uh, they do that a few times with Michael Rooker, and I think it's probably, be, be, it's probably because Kevin Smith knew Michael Rooker could handle, like, a one-take shot. Yeah, he, I mean, he's such a, he's such an A-list amazing actor. He just is. Period. Yeah, he 
He really is. He's he's so fucking amazing. Yeah. Um, but, of course, Svenning is chewing out this guy, and he says, uh, you know, he's trying to tell him where to put the podium down. He's like, no, the podium goes over here. And he kind of stomps with his foot over on the other side to kind of put the carpet down, and then his foot goes right through the floor. So, <laughs> you know, things are already, you know, going going bad for Svenning. This is this, it's not going great. And he fires the, the Walt Flanagan uh, stagehand. Uh, T.S. kind of, you know, comes up on him and, and Svenning, you know, T.S. is asking him, you know, where's Brandy? And if 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 Svenning is behind the breakup of him and, and Brandy, uh, and Svenning talks about the fact that he's just as proud of their breakup as he is this game show. Because he tells <laughs> T.S. that it's like, he's like, it's over between you and Brandy. She's too good for you. All this kind of stuff. And I do kind of get why the dad, you know, if he doesn't like T.S., he's like, and, and you can tell that she is very smart, Brandy. So yep. I, I can see why he wouldn't like T.S. And, and but I get it. I mean, he, I guess, yeah, he's still he's still an evil guy. Like I, I, if he wasn't such an evil guy, it, it would be a little more acceptable, you know? Right. Yeah, it, it would be. It would be. Um but as he's telling, you know, T.S. that it's over between him and Brandy, uh, he, he, you know, calls the security over and the guard escorts uh, T.F.'s off the stage. Um, yes. Back at a woman's clothing store, Gwen is trying on panties, but of course she's like in the store and not in the the actual dressing room because she's like twice today some pervert's trying to see me naked, so I'm just gonna cut out the middleman. Uh, <laughs> T.S. is kind of like you know kind of sulking. Uh, we find it. This is where we find out that Gwen and T.S. used to date back in the day, uh, back in high school. We get a, a funny little joke uh, uh, about her fucking Rick Darris, uh, and by the Rick Darris is another is mentioned in Clark. So yep. it's another part of the whole, you know, uh, un- universe that Kevin Smith is creating. But um, we find out that what, what, what was uh, Gwen was uh, Smokey, right? No, Bandit. She was Bandit. And yes, then Rick Darris was was Smokey. And they make a joke about how the fact that she looked just like Bandit, but not the mustache. Yes. And uh, uh, and how they've you know, it's it was interesting to see uh, uh, Smokey fuck the band or right. Smokey fuck the bandit, basically. <laughs> yes. It, it, it was more eloquently written than I just botched it. No, but no, it's all I good. Like, but I know that, uh, you know, Gwen is like, what's the big deal? I was wearing a costume and I saw me. And, yeah, you know, who cares? And this is the this is the time where I'm on T.S.'s side. Like, yeah, because back in high school uh, when they dated, you know, T.S., she, she cheated on him. That's all. And she's like, she, she was trying to break it off. She was like, or break, uh, like play it off like, oh, I'm in costume, so who cares? And then she was like, and only you remember things like that, T.S. It's like, oh, that was only like three or four years ago for them, or, or even less probably. So, of course, they're going to remember that, right? Well, she, has, she has a moment later on where you're like, are you, are you? Did you really just say what you said? Because that's not what a friend would do. You're kind of a rotten person, Gwen. You kind of she kind of is. She kind of is a rotten person. Well, and she even you know she even kind of says it later how how you know TS is her comparison for for nice guys, implying that she's not the kind of girl that dates nice guys, you know. And and she's almost like the Brody, the female Brody. I would almost say. I'm not gonna lie, I. Dated a lot of girls like that back in the day. I really did. Yeah. And and I and I and I was like, man, you chicks suck. Like if this is if 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 you want to go with the guy who's gonna dick you over and treat you like shit and 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 
you know, wine dine 69, throw you down a hole, you go for it. But, uh, you know, yep. nice guys finished last back in, back in the day. Now they finish first. Yeah, and this was definitely Kevin's... I, I, you get the sense from all these movies that Kevin Smith was very much the nice guy in high school, yeah. and he probably, you know, he got dicked over a lot, uh, I think. It, I think it comes through in, in his writing. I think so. Um, yeah. But, uh, bro, of course, Brody's there, too. He's, he's you know, he's kind of just, you know, trying panties on. He's like, I would make a hot chick. It's, you know, there, there's funny parts. <laughs> I love that. Everything. I love that part. Yeah, it's hilarious. Yeah, I do, too. I do, too. Um, and then we kind of... Uh, Gwen asks, like, what, what do you, what do you see in Renee? Because she, even Gwen says she's kind of like Renee's kind of cold or whatever. But Brody like launches into this, this thing. She's like, she's like, you know, it's kind of like when you're spooning somebody and you don't know what to do with that one arm. It's my the relation. I'm you're always searching for a place to put that one arm. It, it was kind of. He's like, that's a metaphor for our relationship. I still am like, that eh, kind of didn't sort of answer her question as to what he saw in Renee. Yeah. But I did like how the the, the cash register girl was like she he's totally right and then she kind of runs off you know crying but yeah it's it's it works it's not the the strongest scene in the movie but you know i think it has a nice solid beginning middle and end you know totally totally brody leaves for the food court and ts and gwen stay sort of behind but but brody leaves the scene uh cut to the the food court brody is getting (laughs) creating his little cup that he has in this whole the whole time filled with uh with coke and i love how shannon walks up to him and brody just has the little cup and he's like you want a sip of my coke and i love it when ben affleck hits it that cup shoots straight into the air just straight up and it's it's great i mean you know i know that it was intended but it it's one of those things where you could tell it worked so much better than they were hoping it would yes. and it's a great little piece of like physical comedy but uh shannon grabs brody throws him into that little behind the mall alley you're, you're like you're still in the mall but you're in this little alley area that's behind the stores and if you've ever worked in a mall you'll you'll kind of know what, what i'm talking about but uh it's the employees only area yeah yeah it's the employees only area so you can move between stores without fucking having to go through the mall and shit and uh and he's just straight up just he's just beating the shit out of him and you know he's talking about how you know he's he's he, he likes to you know, prey on on you know young women in vulnerable positions uh this is kind of like his his mo you know um but i do say he's i love the fact that he's like shitting on brody and how calling them mall rats and everything and i do love when he says i have no respect for people who have no shopping agenda i just i you know it, it, it's it's what you said earlier like kevin smith he'll 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 put together like a crappy scene but then in, in inside the scene there's some just gold you know yeah. just dialogue gold because this is where kevin smith shines is in the dialogue not so much in his like his shots and his scenes and stuff it's his dialogue is where he really sets it up and uh this is where we, we get the beginning of this like you know recurring gag where uh he you know no one ever comes out and says you know just fuck him in the butt they they say stuff like in an uncomfortable place and then everyone's reaction is the back of a volkswagen question mark everyone's reaction is exactly the same and uh you know brody gets his ass ass kicked thoroughly i was gonna say a back of a 78 corolla but that's just personal. Um, <laughs> that's a personal one. That's a personal thing. Yeah, I'm <laughs> I love it. It's a great gag. It is. It really is. It, it's a good recurring gag in this. Yeah. 
we uh, we, we kind of cut back to the mall area. Gwen and TS are sort of walking and talking. And then they see Brody. They go running over to him. He's all beat up and sort of sitting in like in front of like a candy. Uh, it's, it's in a candy store, but it, like sitting in the aisle sort of thing. Uh, Jay and Silent Bob are there sort of helping him recuperate. But Brody tells them that it was the... The Easter Bunny did this to him. You know, it wasn't <laughs> Shannon. It was the Easter Bunny. And uh, I thought, and that's going to lead to a very funny scene very, very soon. One of, one of my favorite scenes in the entire movie. The best scene, in my opinion. Yeah. Scene. <laughs> it really, really is. So they go off on a mission to basically beat up the, the Easter Bunny. And, uh, and, and uh, Gwen... And uh, uh, T.S., you know, kind of go in there, show up, and, you know, he tells them that Shannon Hamilton did it, uh, Ben Affleck's character, uh, and, and that Renee had nothing to sort of do with it, which, you know, th- that keeps her character still pure. You know, she doesn't really have any sort of anything bad. Uh, she's never in the wrong, you know what I mean? You, at this point, you, can, you don't get the sense that she's really in the wrong. We find out that uh, Shannon dated Gwen back in the day, and that's kind of his M.O. is to have sex with women in uncomfortable places. The back of a Volkswagen, again, <laughs> second second time. Uh, and then and it, I thought it was very cute and sort of realistic where she was like, oh, crap, I gotta, I'm running late. I got to go. And then, you know, she kind of says goodbye to them. I, I like the way she sort of exits the scene. You know, she's like, gives Brody a kiss. And uh, she's like, are you going to be okay? And, you know, Brody's like, fine, you know, I'll be fine. And uh, so she kind of like, you know, heads off and, and leaves the scene and, uh, you know, ditches them to kind of go about their business. Uh, then we cut to... <laughs> One of the best scenes in the entire movie. And uh, the Easter Bunny is, you know, talking to a kid, you know, the, finishing up, you know, the, the, the whatever. And um, Jane, Saul, and Bob cut into the line. And they just start beating the crap out of the Easter Bunny just mercilessly. But then I love how all the kids start screaming and run in and start saving the Easter Bunny by beating up Jay and Saul and Bob by a bunch of kids. I love it because... Of course, Jay and Silent Bob would get beat up by a bunch of kids. <laughs> yeah, of course. Because, <laughs> you know, <laughs> kids get the upper hand. Yeah, especially when you, I mean, dude, it's there's like seven kids and they just like gang up on Jay and Silent Bob. I love it. I honestly <laughs> wish the scene, I wish there was more to it. I wanted to see the kids actually like straight up pummeled Jay. <laughs> Jason Mewes and and Kevin Smith. But regardless, dude, it's one of the best fucking scenes in the entire goddamn movie. So So good, man. (laughs) Oh, God, I love it so much. Um, We're in the sort of the dressing room area in the back of the game show. Uh, Gwen goes to meet Brandy. They're kind of talking about how good of a guy T.S. is. And, you know, Brandy's like, well, if you think he's so good, why don't you date him? And she's like, you know, I would if I didn't think that he's just completely gaga for you. And she does mention that, like, you know, I've never dated good guys. And if I ever did, I guarantee you T.S. would be the basis of comparison moving forward. It's a very... There's some dialogues in this movie that are just very Kevin Smithy, the way that the words are constructed and stuff. And this is definitely one of them. Yeah, the, the, this to me is like what what a guy fantasizes the girl that broke his heart would be saying about him. Yes. And I'm telling you right now, she wouldn't be saying that about him. Yeah, yeah no, that's a, that's a great point. Um, I don't think I... 
thought of that when I was watching it, but now that I'm thinking about it, yeah, it's 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 basically yeah, it's clearly a, a guy fantasizing what his girlfriend who dumped him is thinking about. And because of that, it feels almost and I think I was saying earlier, like like it kind of felt like a Kevin Smithy dialogue, but maybe that's not right. Maybe it feels just sort of fake. It feels like it, does. it feels like two female actors are saying lines that a guy wrote. Do you know what I mean? It yeah. kind of has this an air of unauthentic, un you know, it's not authentic. It doesn't feel like. Yeah. No. I'm. Yeah. Let's be honest. I mean, because because honestly, like if that's how they felt, they'd be back with the guy. So. <laughs> yeah. Yep. Yeah, I know. Exactly. Exactly. I've been there. Um, I know. I know. We all have. We all have. Truthfully, we all have. But the, you know, the takeaway is that Gwen is basically telling Brandy that TS is a good guy. Yes. And you should, you know, respect that because good guys are few and far between. At some point, uh, um, uh, TS had to go to the bathroom. I can't remember what. But now we're outside of the bathroom. Um, and T.S. sort of comes out of the bathroom, and he's greeted by Brody and Mr. Svenning's assistant, who's there, who I forgot his name, but he's uh, he's the producer. I think it's Moser, right? That, that's yes. Moser is the assistant. Yeah. Um, but he's he's the producer of, of the movie, and he's it's, one uh, of, you know, Kevin Smith's guys. Roddy. Roddy, isn't it? Yeah, Roddy. Roddy with his buzz cut. <laughs> And he said, Mr. Uh, Roddy says, Mr. Svenny wants to have a word with you. Uh, T.S. says he'll be right over. Brody tells T.S. not to trust Svenning, and he should give him shit, basically, for what he did. But, you know, T.S. does bring up a good point. He's like, look, I'm trying to marry this guy's daughter. Like, I can't, like, give him that much shit. But then Brody does postulate how he could, get, you know, basically fuck him back. And he, he goes into this whole thing about a stink bomb. And basically a stink <laughs> bomb is you stick your hand in your pants, in your your balls, in your taint area, you really get your hand in there, up in the ass and everything, especially if you've been walking around a mall in long pants all day long, your hand's going to be stinky and gross and sweaty. And when you shake the guy's hand, you know, that smell won't come off for days. Of course, T.S. points out the fact that you too will be walking around with a, a shit-smelling hand. And I will say that I have, when I was younger, before I found the power of forgiveness, um, I, I very much uh, subscribe to the idea that that uh, spite to cut my own, well, cu- uh, you know, cut off my own nose to spite my face, sort of thing. I will do what I would do, whatever. I would do a stink bomb, and he does say that it's the small price to pay for smiting one's enemy, and that is, you know, it, I do love that mentality that is Brody's, but it's also a very immature mentality. Look, we've all been there. We've all, we have, you know, whether it's egging somebody's house or TPing someone's, it's, it's all in the same, under the same umbrella, like, you know, fucking with somebody. Again, my brother can attest to that. I never did any of that shit. I, I swear to God. But, uh, but I, I learned, I learned not to by the actions of my, of my older brother. So, so you're almost TS and, and Eric is Brody in this scenario. Yeah. In many ways. Yeah. I mean, my brother was the guy who threw stink bombs in class, who would stick, uh, pencils in, uh, locks and break them off so that the teacher couldn't unlock the door to the classroom. So they have to cancel (laughs) class for the day, you know, shit like that. The, the, the TP people's house, all that shit, dude, all that shit. So this thing, I'm sure he did. I'm sure he did this thing. I used to wake up with his balls in my face. He'd pull his underwear so tight that his balls would fall out and they'd be sitting in my face. And I'd wake up like, get out of my face, dude. Like, these are the things that 
an older brother. That's why I'm like, I'm good with one kid because you know, <laughs> brothers terrorize. And and sometimes when you guys talk, I'm like, man, I, I kind of wish I had one. And then that story right there, I'm like, oh yeah, I'm glad I didn't have an older brother. Yeah, he he'd sit on my shoulders. If you if you if someone's laying down and they sit on your shoulders, and then so you can't move your arms, and he'd be smacking my face. Stop hitting yeah, yourself. Yeah. Stop hitting yourself. Yeah. Stop hitting yourself. One of those. Oh, Eric. Oh, Eric. <laughs> oh, God. <laughs> I love you, Eric. I love you, Eric. You know I do, but you know. we, yeah, we do. We do. Uh, so, so uh, it's <laughs> T.S. is he's got to go meet Mr. Svenning, and uh, you know he leaves the scene, but then uh, Brody's kind of standing there, and he's, he's he eats the 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 chocolate. He has chocolate covered pretzels, by the way. He has a bag of chocolate covered pretzels, and he kind Very of yeah. eats it out of his like sort of with his mouth type of thing. Like puts yes. his mouth into the bag. But I do love how he he smells his hand. He thinks for a second, and then he just kind of runs off, and you don't really know sort of like what, why, or whatever. But I just I like the way he did it. He just kind of like all of a sudden just goes running, um, <laughs> which is I think is kind of funny. Uh, cut back to the game show. Svenning is talking to two executives. Uh, they seem to be very hesitant uh, about this whole thing, you know. And of course, Mr. Svenning telling him that this is going to go off without a hitch. But I love how one of the execs says, "I hear the Easter Bunny was accosted this morning." I was like, "I love that," and it's <laughs> it's, it's great. Yeah. Um, of course, Mr. Svenning uh, uh, kind of shoes them away, and TS kind of comes up to him. And man, this scene as someone who's as a as a guy who's met you know uh, my girlfriend's you know dad's you know especially back then this thing that 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 Svenning says is always my biggest fear which was Quint I accept the fact that you no doubt fucked my daughter you know like and he kind of like lays into like you know by now you guys have been dating long enough you know you would have weaseled her way in and the look of just sheer horror on on ts's face i think is very relatable you know and it's 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 all the the stuff that i fear but as as Svenning is kind of laying into him. We see that uh, that Lafors and his men are kind of like positioning themselves around the, the the game show area, kind of ready to pounce. You can tell they're ready to pounce. And right when Mister Svenning is about to call them over with sort of like a a hand gesture, he, he was going to make a, an elaborate hand gesture. Uh, Brody comes up and high fives him with <laughs> yeah, his stink great. palm, and thus begins the most dis- like stomach churning scene in this entire <laughs> it's the, movie. It's the best uh, scene in my opinion. It's my favorite scene. It is. It, no, no. It, I mean it is. It's it's absolutely fantastic, but it's absolutely disgusting. Yes. Uh basically uh, Brody just really just gives him a good handshake. He's like examining uh Svenning's like class ring. Uh we do find out that that uh Brody is the neighbor of Svenning. So I, I like that. Kind of gives you a little backstory that that's probably, you know, how maybe T.S. started dating, or at least it also informs Mr. Svenning of T.S.'s qualities because his best friend is Brody, who clearly somebody he probably hates. But, um, of course, Brody has this, uh, uh, he's got a bag of chocolate-covered pretzels. He knows that Mr. Svenning loves pretzels because he's his neighbor. He kind of smears one into his hand, which I always, I gotta hate. Uh, I, I just don't like sticky hands, man. I just don't like sticky hands. I just don't like but, melted uh, chocolate. I, just don't, I like, don't either, man. You know? 
And I love that yeah, line where he either. where he's inspecting his ring and he's like, "Hmm, suitor come loudly." He's like, "69, class of 69." He's like, "Oh, I, I, I would prefer to come loudly." I would like to, I would like, yeah. What do you say? I would I'd like, like to come. I would like to come loudly one day, preferably in a 69. <laughs> And the whole time, like, like Svenning, you know, uh, Michael Rooker's just interactions are just great. His facial expressions are oh, great. Oh, it's the best. Yeah, it's the best. But, yeah, he's he's really – so now at this point, he's really eating those those uh, chocolate-covered pretzels. And he's like – and as a man who feels that one good turn deserves another, I have something for the bo- the two of you boys. And now he signals LaFour's. And yep. LaFour's men, they, they sort of pounce on them. As they're getting pulled away, uh, they see Renee is in one of the shops, and and Brody's like, you know, yells out to her. And he's like, Renee, find you know, find Jay and Silent Bob, please. You know, and they get they get take sort of taken away. So we cut to now. Willem is is back, still staring at the, at the thing, and I love how Jay's just sitting there, just yelling at him. He's like, you know what you need? A fatty boom batty blunt, and you'll see a sailboat, an ocean, and big titty mermaids doing some of that lesbian shit. You know? <laughs> I just yes. I love all that shit. He's like, I love he's like, talk look at me, you tubby bitch. <laughs> he's like, come on. <laughs> I love it. It's great. But uh uh Renee runs up to them and tells them that uh, you know, tells Jane Silent Bob that TS and Brody need help. And so they go running, and then Renee sort of standing next to Willem and she sees the sailboat. And this I always thought this was kind of weird. Willem, the 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 character, looks at her and says, Brenda? You know, question mark. And she says Dick hits him and run and walks away. I never quite understood her replying with the dick, you know, like her saying that. Well, because okay, so there's a little backstory on that. Apparently, that was a joke uh, that was that was played on her by Kevin Smith, and so Kevin Smith told Willem to say, uh, uh, simply to say that to her, and it was, and and she didn't he didn't know how she was going to respond, so his reaction is genuine, and so I think she her, her might reaction have been in is on genuine, it. like. So she okay, gotcha. I think she was in on the joke too, but his reaction was genuine shock because he did not expect her to come back like that. Oh, oh, so 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 Shannon Doherty was in on the joke of, of being called Brenda, but Supley didn't know that he was going to get punched for it. Yes, yeah, gotcha, yeah. gotcha. Yeah, that was always kind of like one of those jokes that I didn't think really landed for me. Uh, and even now watching it, I'm like, eh. it, and, and, and sadly it even also dates it too, you know, it does, it does, but it, you know, yeah, it's it kind of like, it is. it's Kevin Smith doing that. Well, this will be funny for me, you know? Right. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. All right. So as LaFours and his men are escorting TS and Brody out of the mall, uh, we find out that LaFours is going to plant drugs on them. Again, the actor doesn't say a single word, but he no. does a great job conveying what, you know, what he's going to do. It's so, great. It's great. It's great. I love it. I do love it. And I do love how, uh, uh, you know, so they know what's going to happen. And then basically Jay knocks like hits LaFours with a baseball bat and then yells the whole kneel before Zod thing, <laughs> which so is great. great. 
<laughs> I love that. And uh, but it's 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 yeah, it's it's so great. But then he goes running, and Lafour's and like a few of his guys go after after uh, Jay. But then. Uh, Silent Bob comes up behind the other two guards that are sort of left and do a Vulcan neck pinch on them and knock them out and then kind of let uh, let go, you know, or, or unlock the handcuffs of, of T.S. and Brody so yeah. they can they can get away. <laughs> it's great. I know. It's so. Yeah, it, it, I, I love it because anytime LaForge is in it, I, I love it. So uh, T.S. and Brody are, are they're going to be able to get away to get to the dirt mall. But we're going to really quick follow up on Jay and Silent Bob. Uh, I love how Jay is is no the silent bob outruns them doesn't he doesn't he outrun them uh, yes. uh the lafours and all them which i thought was kind of funny it's it's a very visual gag but but he kind of like outruns them and catches up with jay and they're in like this little back alley of the mall but it's 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 like the it's where the trucks come in to unload yeah, the shipping shit. area <clears throat> I, I, yeah, I'm 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 remembering all this stuff from Dawn of the Dead. I'm like, oh, that's where the that's where they back the truck yep. up to, you know. Yep, yep. Oh, dude, Dawn of the Dead, baby. Good, good one. God, love that movie. The remake. We're talking about the remake, by the I'm way. I'm talking about the. Well, I'm talking about both, but I'll go with the original. Okay, okay. But I, I love the remake. A, was but there? I, yeah. That's a whole other story. <laughs> well, yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. We'll get to that one day. I'm sure we will get to that. Uh, but we right now we're, we're, we're treated so they're basically in a it's a it's an it's a dead end for them no matter what and you know Lafours and his men are going to catch him and then we get uh, a, a funny little gag of you know what are we going to do and Silent Bob's pulling out you know pulls out a blow up doll pulls out a bunch of like yeah. stuff but then he finally pulls out the 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 Batman grappling hook and then I do love how you know Jay puts his arm around him it's it's the it's the Kim Basinger scene in. 89 Batman and yes. they kind of grappling hook up totally. go up into the air and which is above LaFours and all them so LaFours doesn't see where they are and they kind of go running off and then we have this great scene of them sort of dangling there and you know Jay's like where do you get those wonderful toys and I love how he kisses uh, Silent Bob as he's <laughs> hugging him well I, I love that scene too and I love I love when uh, when yeah when it first happens Jay says the line what the shit are we gonna do Right. And I love yeah. that line because that line is from the Warriors, my favorite uh. film of all time. What the shit are we going to do? And I always thought it was just a funny line. Like, what the shit are we going to do? You know, instead of what the hell are we going to do? It makes yeah. sense. It's like hell shit, whatever. Who cares? I just love that moment. And yeah, you're, you're right. It's a total Batman 89 reference. The best Batman. Yeah. And that is always going to be my favorite Batman for sure. Without that Batman, there would not be. There wouldn't would never be uh, Christopher Nolan's Batman. So there you go. That's the best Batman ever, Michael Keaton, baby. Well, I always love Kevin Conroy's voice, but you know Michael Keaton is uh, is probably the, my favorite movie Batman for sure. Not George Clooney. Not George Clooney and his nipples. No. <laughs> I wanted to. I love George Clooney, but a, a more truer statement has never been made. I wanted to love George Clooney as Batman. I loved George Clooney. I'm a big fan of From Dust Till Dawn, but boy, oh boy, did that movie suck balls. Yeah, I would love it. I would have, yeah, it's a bummer. That That's one of those like, yeah. oh man, coulda, woulda, shoulda. Exactly. 
We got to the dirt mall. TS and Brody are going to hide out there because, you know, no cops would come looking for them there. And also no self-respecting uh, consumer would either because it's the dirt mall. And uh, in Baltimore, man, the dirt mall is a big deal in, in Baltimore. Have you ever been to a dirt mall before? Yeah, but not that long ago, unfortunately, uh, in San Jose. <laughs> I, I flew up. I flew up to San Jose to see my boy Terry and go meet uh, two of the actors from The Warriors, Michael Beck and Deborah Van Vankelberg, who were doing a signing at the Dirt Mall uh, flea market. Oh, it's so sad, dude. Like, on one hand, it's cool because you're like, oh, this is some cool vintage toy. On the other hand, you're like, I'm mostly on the other hand, you're like, this is really sad, dude. Like, that's dingy and the toys still have dust all over them and just like, you know, literally people pulling shit out of their garage. It's not like Comic-Con, you know? No, no, no. I mean, I think in this movie is a very accurate portrayal of what the dirt mall looks like. Agreed. And, you know, and, and in, this is another scene before they get to Ivana, the, the topless psychic. This is another scene that is a one-take shot. Yeah. And, you know, I think both actors, I honestly think they both did a fantastic job uh, nailing it. It's it's interesting to see Jason Lee do it because, you know, knowing that Jeremy London is pretty much like, you know, he's a trained actor, whereas Jason Lee's kind of used to be a, just a skateboarder. But he, Jason Lee holds his own. Like, he remembers all of his lines, the whole, the whole thing. It's great. Um, the dialogue... It's a lot of fluff, but it, what it boils down to is that um, TS is like, you know what, Brody, maybe you were right earlier. You know, if, if Brandy was is, is willing to sort of let go of me this easily, maybe, you know, you were right. And, and you know, Brody's like, what do you mean? Like, <laughs> I talk out my ass, you know, and this is something I would say all the time is when I around this time. But I'd say, but sometimes a nugget of truth would would slip through. And that's from, you know, from this dialogue. Yeah. Uh, and I like that. I like how, you know, T.S., you know, admitted that. But Brody kind of realizing that his buddy, you know, uh, needs to needs to pick me up, needs to kind of get back on his mission. Right. This is the this is the low point for our protagonist. This is the, the lowest point, And they need to get back on their mission, essentially. And the only way to do that is if T.S. gets some sage advice, sage advice coming from a topless psychic. Cut to the inside of Ivana's tent. It's like she has like a little tent in there. The topless psychic, played by Priscilla Barnes of Three's Company fame. Boy, oh boy, is she looking great right here. So they basically start asking, you know, or I'm sorry, they don't start asking right away. She says it'll be like fifty eight sixty or something like yeah, that. Fifty eight dollars and sixty cents or something <laughs> like that. <laughs> something like that. Of so course, weird. Of course, Brody doesn't have it, and of course, you know, TS is like, "Oh, come on, man, this was your idea." But yeah. okay, you know, he, he he forks it over, and uh, you know, she kind of starts going into it, you know, and and right away. Um, and she sells her top on and TS yeah. is like, look lady, you know, my friend here doesn't really care about his future. He just wants to see the goods essentially. So you can just kind of cut to the chase. And she's like, okay. And she had this like fake accent or whatever. And she's like, okay, good. I'm glad I can drop the accent. Now she's got like a very Jersey sort of accent, you yeah, know? I love it. And also too, like she is fantastic in this role. Like, so good. Again, running circles, totally destroying both of the actors that she's playing against because she's such a veteran at this point. Yeah. But just, and, and it's just, it's remarkable to see, but she's awesome. She, Priscilla Barnes 
kills it in this. Uh, so she takes off her top to get more comfortable because that's how she can do her psychic abilities. And she has a third nipple right next to her, her right uh, her right one. And, and it's not a Matthew Perry third nipple. It's like Matthew Perry apparently has a third nipple from Friends. Like yeah. Just like a little hint Nubbin. of extra areola. This is like a full-on third nipple. Full nipple. Yeah. Full on, full on nipple. Yes. And good job on the makeup because it looks so accurate, even yes. on Blu-ray. You know, it looks amazing. But uh, <laughs> Brody is disgusted. And I, I was like, okay, it's that, you know, he can't look at it. He's so just appalled and disgusted. Uh, but what she starts saying is accurate to their situation she's like you know you guys are suffered a love loss one of you is suffering in silence the other one you know isn't uh but this like cues ts he's like oh my god you know you have the gift and she's like you know a a resolution will only come through confrontation right and so of course ts is now all galvanized and all all excited you know thank you thank you thank you you know but brody's like oh my god and she's he's like how do you do this and she's like oh it's the third nipple and i I do like how (laughs) ts is like you have a third nipple and Brody's like, it's right there. (laughs) How could you not see it? And I will say, growing up, uh, I did have a friend like TS that was just so wholesome that I would truly believe he did not even see the nipple because he just wouldn't have looked. You know what I mean? Like, even though it was right there in front of him, he just wouldn't look because he was so my buddy and I think TS are just that wholesome, you know? Well, I think also he wants to like he's he's finally getting validated for his feelings on like and what he needs to do to get back that this is the whole point of the movie what you know and finally he's hearing what he needs to do and he's like okay let's do this come on right like like validation that your mission is correct i don't care and this about is what you're supposed yeah. to be on yeah yeah oh man she i mean priscilla barnes looks fucking amazing in the scene dude seriously but uh as they leave as they leave uh uh you know brody's like do you have any extra parts and she's like you can check if you want but of course at this point he's like still so disgusted by the nipple but as he leaves and, and leaves the tent you know the camera kind of lingers on her and she just pops the nipple off because it's fake and i never understood why she put it in her mouth though i don't know it's a stupid gag it's a stupid gag it's funny it's funny. It's funny. But it's just a yeah, stupid it's, it's, gag. It serves no purpose whatsoever. Other than us as, you know, pervs, and I'm going to speak for myself in this case, uh, <laughs> and probably Kevin Smith, uh, perving out the fact that we now, you know, get one nanosecond of a perfect shot of Priscilla Barnes, you know? Yes. And I I, I mean, I, I, dude, as much as I loved that, that and, and, and Joey Lord and Adams, my gut tells me that, that Kevin Smith put those scenes in there just to perv out a little bit. Yeah, I could see that. That's fair enough. Yeah. yeah. I mean, I'm watching them like I was – this is before I knew about, you know – yeah, any opportunity to see somebody I saw on TV naked, I was like, oh, that's, well, that's shocking. Cool, 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 cool. Yeah. Exactly, you know, and and that's not to say that, you know, uh, the directors that would, you know, back in the 70s make, you know, the Emmanuel films with Laura Gemser. It's not to say they weren't doing the exact same thing with, you with love her, you know. Gemser. You I love Any opportunity for you to drop that reference. Jesus. Oh, God. Any opportunity to think about Laura Gemser, man. <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> oh, 
god, Jesus Christ. Um, so back at back at Eden Prairie Center, uh, uh, the 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 actual mall, uh, TS and Brody are kind of like parking, and you know TS is like sort of in, in his you know in his plan. He's like, well, we're gonna do this. He's all he's all yeah. fired up and everything. And now like Brody, this is the one time Brody, you know, is kind of like, oh, I'm not quite sure. And he's like, what are you talking about? Like you know, this is the time that I sort of need you to be fired up. You know, right. this is this is it right here. So he tells he tells you know Brody that he'll meet him by the stage. He's got something he's got to do, and uh, we, we go back inside. Uh, Jane, Silent Bob are in a bookstore. They're hiding out from Lafours and everybody because the last place they would look for Jane, Silent Bob is a bookstore. And he basically asks him, he's like, "Can you guys? Are you guys down to get stoned?" And you know, of course, the answer is yes. Cut to Brody's kind of like looking in a lingerie shop, which is kind of like he's creeping. Yeah. But uh, this is when we get Stan Lee. Kind of like moseys on up to next to next to Brody and boy, Stanley's looking young at this point, which is weird because when I saw this movie for the first time, I thought of how old Stanley looked, and now I'm watching it, you know, in a post MCU universe, and I'm like, oh, Stanley, you look so young, but oh man, just his voice, dude. I just, I, I love know. it, dude. So I, got I love Stanley. I got choked up, mm-hmm. dude. I did. I was like, I was like, this is he's. Uh, you know, such a lovable person and he has such a great in the backstory on this is really sweet too, because, uh, according to IMDB, he had a hard time reading these lines. And initially he didn't want, he didn't want to do the film. Uh, and he was like, the, the dialogue is, these are not the things I'd say. And Kevin Smith responded that it's all just pretend. And apparently, uh, Stanley said, okay, spider friend, you know, and it's like, oh, it's so sweet, you know. So if you go on IMDb and you read this little sound, this little bit, it's like he was not a trained actor. He memorized, uh, memorizing his lines was very challenging. And then in the same paragraph, and this is very funny, Jeremy London, on the other hand, despite being an experienced actor, forgot his lines repeatedly. <laughs> oh, God. No. I did. Even IMDb is shitting on Jeremy London. <laughs> I know, man. Sorry. Sorry. Sorry, JL. I mean, it's I. It is what it is, right? Hey, I mean, it's, at that it's point, I'm like, now. you know what? IMDb's quoting it, so uh, whatever. Yeah, yeah. If IMDb's quoting it, it must be true, right? Uh, but uh, I do like how Stan Lee's like kind of talking about how ah, this is this is like when Peter Parker and and you know Gwen Stacy went went shopping, you know, and and Green Goblin blew the whole place up, you know, with his Goblin bomb, and that's <laughs> yeah. what makes. Brody sort of realized who he's standing next to because he kind of wasn't really paying attention before and he, and he sort of freaks out. We cut backstage of the game show and Jay kind of convinces two of the three contestants to kind of smoke weed because they're they're nervous and everything. So he kind of convinces them to do that. Um, we don't know at the time that there should be a, a third contestant that'll show up soon. Back to Brody and Stan Lee sort of talking. Brody and Brody's just going in on asking if, you know, if Reed Richards, you know, dong can can stretch too. Yeah. And, you know, of course, like, is does is the thing's penis like covered in rocks, you know? And, <laughs> yeah. you know, Stan Lee's just doing a great job of deflecting all these all these things. And and he's just doing it with just a God, a, a, a laugh and a smile. And it's just it's so sweet. It's so sweet. And, dude. and he's 
and it's funny because the stuff that Brody's saying to him, you would think that Stanley would be like, oh God, I can't talk about this, but it actually makes Stanley more endearing because he doesn't get upset. He's just like, no. oh, you know, you're, you're kind of hung up on this, aren't you? You know, it's just, it's really, it's really well done and it's really sweet and, and, yeah. and it's much sweeter than it has any right to be in, in a movie like this, you know? Agreed. It, it's, it's, yeah, it, it is. Yeah, it's very tasteful. It is. It's 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 remarkably tasteful, and the you know the the story that he sort of conveys to to Brody is such. It's it's so timeless, you yeah. know. It and basically talks about the fact that you know he had a great love too because he finds out that Brody just broke up with his girlfriend, and he had a great love too. And you know he always regrets, you know, not you know he regrets losing her, and the way he dealt with those regrets is to write characters like the Incredible Hulk, where you know that was his rage and everything. And I I, I like that. Although knowing knowing Stanley was married to his wife like pretty much his entire life, you know that all of this is bullshit. It, even in the movie, uh, Stanley says it's bullshit in a few minutes. Yes. But when it's when he's saying it, man, it's just again, you're right. It's it's so tastefully done. It's so well done and and tasteful. And such a it's such a raunchy movie. In a, in a movie that's trying to be raunchy too. Yeah. Oh yeah. Totally. Like it, it's it's the it's this it it actually tonally kind of shifts the film at that point yeah it makes the film like a sweet movie from from being sort of yeah you're right dude and yep. maybe maybe this is when brody sort of changes maybe he does deserve uh redemption um but you know uh stanley you know kind of goes walking off leaves you know brody with with that wisdom um brody thinks about it and then kind of goes running off again like his second sort of like think about it and then go running sort of thing <laughs> yeah exactly um, and then we <laughs> it's like his mo. Uh, we cut to Stanley sort of walking, you know, uh, down down the down by the the stores, and TS bumps into him. You find out that TS put Stanley up to this, and that Stanley yeah. gave uh, Brody the uh, the vulture soliloquy from Spider Man. You know, some you know made up thing. Um, but I was like, okay. And it, again, it's weird because. It also endears you to Stanley because you realize that, in, at least in this version, in this movie, they're showing you that, oh, Stanley would take the time out of his day to help this guy out, you know, yeah. or of his busy day. So, again, Stanley, at the end of the day, in this movie, he comes out smelling like roses. In a way, this is kind of what he did because he did this film because, uh, because of, like, a friend, you know, it was a friendship thing. Well, with with Kevin Smith, is that because were yeah. they was Kevin Smith already sort of chumming up to Kevin uh, to Stanley at this point through through a connection? It said Kevin Smith okay. had had written a fiction, fictional Stanley type character, but through a connection, Stanley was asked to be in the movie and agreed. Oh, that's awesome! That, I yeah. mean, that's awesome. I, and and again, hearing his voice, like because I grew up watching Super Friends, I'm sure you did too. So like always, anytime oh I hear Stanley's God, voice, or no, I'm sorry, I'm sorry, I'm not Super Friends. I'm sorry, uh, Spider Man and his amazing friends, Spider Man, yeah, yeah, and so and uh, dude, his voice will all. I mean, he'll always be that narrator voice from from that cartoon for me. Yeah, totally. I agree. Yep. Cut back to the food court, and Trish and Silent Bob are kind of hanging out. She, he's still doing the the Jedi mind trick, the Force thing. Uh, Brody runs up to Trish, tells tells her he needs the tape of Shannon Hamilton uh, from last night. Tell, gives her TS's car 
car keys so she can go home and get it. And then Brody tells Silent Bob he needs help with the stage, like something at the stage. Uh, cut to the game show. Now at this point, this is this is what I, I love it, is when Mr. Spinning is just clearly just destroyed. He is so sick. And, and he just does a great job of this fake vomit where it's so violent and oh, disgusting. So I, I love it. I love it, dude. It's so great. Um, of course, the execs are like, what is wrong with you? You know, And he's, he assures them that everything's going to go off without a hitch. Uh, backstage, the two contestants are absolutely just destroyed by the weed. They're just laying on the ground covered in food. <laughs> and trust me, I get it. I've been there. <laughs> Uh, T.S. and Brody kind of enter and, and you know, uh, T.S. wonders, like, they wonder about the third guy. What about the third guy? And Jay's like, I didn't see a third guy. Enter Gil Hicks. And oh, I man. love this. It's played by the same actor who played Dante Hicks yep. in Clerks, and he is playing his brother, Gil. He's supposed <laughs> to be Dante's brother. Oh, that's awesome. I didn't know that. And he's such, he's so smart, smarmy, you know? Yeah, yeah. Um, <laughs> but I love it. It's like, he's like, what happened here, you know? But I love how Svenning's assistant, uh, Roddy, enters the scene and, and he sees Brody and TS and he sees the people on the ground. You know, he, he's putting two and two together. He's not an idiot. And he calls security, but right there, just Brody just punches him in the face. I thought that was so satisfying yeah. as, as Moser just falls to his knees, you know? It's, it's a great, great shot. Just a great, great little interaction, you know? Well, apparently he's, he's like referencing, uh, Roddy's referencing Tombstone in that scene. Oh, okay. And then because um, uh, Michael Rooker had a small role in Tombstone, and that's how he sort of, because uh, I think the casting director knew him through Tombstone, and that's how they sort of got him. So go. that, that wouldn't surprise me that they were doing a Tombstone reference. Um, the, the security guard does come in and is like, okay. And then, you know, Brody kind of makes up a thing about, you know, whatever. And then she, the security guard takes uh, Roddy out. Um, interesting that the security card is not LaFour's. Well, I guess it wouldn't be because LaFour's would, would recognize them. So, um yeah, that, that's all there is to it. Uh, of course, Gil's like, you know, being a real douche. Uh, <laughs> fucking Brody kind of stomps on his foot and sort of glares at him. Tells him to basically shut the fuck up, keep your mouth shut, you know. Yeah. And uh, go up on stage, woo them, you know, smooth them, everything will be all fine. Just keep your fucking mouth shut, you turd. Uh, and, and, you know, and, and Gil Hicks is a turd. He's supposed to be a turd. Yeah. Brody tells Jay that when Trish gets gets there uh, with the tape uh, to give it to Bob. And and, and Bob, Jay's like, where is that tubby bitch? And we cut to <laughs> behind the stage, and Bob is kind of upside down, rigging this VHS player to the stage. Now... This, this, was, this took the longest to sort of track because it's a lot of dialogue. But now the game show starts. The host does his thing, you know, and he starts sort of announcing the suitors. Uh, just to let you guys know, suitor one is TS, suitor two is Brody, and suitor three is Gil. But since Brody and TS are playing, are, are you know, are kind of like filling in for the people, the, 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 the announcer guy doesn't know their real names. So I just wanted, I, I like their names. So just real quick, uh, suitor number one, who's, T, who's TS, is supposed to be named Doug. Uh, was it paging Doug paging? And yeah. then suitor number two is supposed to be Rob feature, but I love it. I love it. When the announcer guy announces Doug's name, 
I love behind, backstage, Jay yells, do it, Doug! <laughs> and he knows T.S.'s name is T.S., but he just, he immediately calls him Doug. And I don't know why, I don't know why that's funny, but I think it's hilarious. It's your favorite scene in the movie, or it's your favorite line, right? <laughs> it's, uh, yeah, other, the, the, the LaFour's having two kills is my favorite line, but I, I this is my second favorite one. Do it! <laughs> and I've just, I literally have been saying it for two days now. My wife is still laughing at it, but by tomorrow, I think she's going to stop laughing at it, which means I'm going to have to stop saying it. But for now, do it, Doug. So great, dude. <laughs> so good. It's so good. How could you fucking have Brecken Meyer instead of Jason Muse, man? Fuck that noise. Seth, Seth Green was on call. Fuck that noise. He, no one else could land that fucking line besides Jason Mewes, man. I, I guarantee you, if we ever get Kevin Smith on, he'll probably be like, nah, that was Universal's deal. That was their deal. Yeah. Oh, I'm sure. Oh, God, I'm, I'm sure. And I would love to talk, to, to discuss that with him. Yeah. Um, of course, the host introduces Brandy Svinning. Uh, she comes out. Uh, her first question is um, to, to suitor number one, and he, she's like, well, if you were a car, what kind of car would you be? Uh, and of course, he's like, yes, it's like the car you would never dump your boyfriend in. And she's like, okay. And then she's like, uh, suitor number two. And then uh, Brody says, what, what does he say? Uh, he, he says, can you refer, to, uh, can you call me second suitor? Yes, that's right. Yeah. Because <laughs> he's like, suitor number two sounds like you're uh, like a, like a bathroom code? Yeah, oh, you said yeah. bathroom code. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <So>. <laughs> oh, I love that. It's great. It's, it's fucking great. Although I will say this. I will say this. Brandy should recognize both of their voices right away. It's it's the it's the Superman scenario. Like, how do you not recognize that he's Clark Kent? You know? Yeah. Um, she would recognize their voices, but it, it doesn't fucking matter. Um, so uh, she asks second suitor, uh, if you were to make no- Whoopi... What would those noises be? It's a funny sort of interaction with with Brody. Um, I'm not going to quote the whole thing here. I'm going to try to kind of move move through this. But she starts talking to uh, his. Ultimately, his response is that's too personal. I, I can't. You know, I, I would never tell you what my my whoopee sound is. It's, yeah, because he's funny. making the he's making the movements, and he's like. Yeah, yeah, at that point, it's like that. That's too personal. It's perfect. It's all perfect with with Jason with Jason Lee. It really is. Brandy asks suitor number three what her first date, what what like what their first date would be like, and he gives the most like cheesy response, the most like canned response possible. Yeah. And of course, like just on live air, Brody just like lays into him, you know, and it, it's great. <laughs> it's awesome. He just destroys him yeah. and calls him out on his shit. You know what I mean? Brandy uh, asked suitor number one how he would propose. And T.S., he's like, I would propose you stand up for yourself, you know, and all, all these kind of things. He's really airing, uh, you know, their dirty laundry now at this point. And Brandy's starting to kind of get an idea of what's going on. Uh, Brody spots Trish. Trish is there now with the tape. And he kind of, like, signals her to go go backstage. Uh, Brandy then asks Gil how he kisses and kills fucking like a jackhammer i get in there and you're never the same again and fucking brody just again lays into him and and it's great i mean you know uh, gil the guy who's playing him i forgot his name um the guy played dante i mean he's awesome he's doing his thing i've honestly and i've never seen that actor outside of of clerks and mall rats and this whole thing but he doesn't do a terrible job 
No, he and he's probably a friend of Kevin Smith. That's why he's in these movies. Yeah, yeah. No, I, I'm fairly certain that he is. Um, then we cut to like sort of uh, uh, Jay tosses Silent Bob the tape, but but uh, I'm sorry. Uh, Trish gives Jay behind the scenes, you know, gives him the tape. Jay goes over, tosses it to Silent Bob, but he misses, which is hilarious. Yes. It's a it's a it's a good funny visual gag. But now the tape is like barely just barely out of the reach of of bob and at this point we're going to start playing up the whole empire strikes back thing where luke is upside down in the the cave and hoff and trying to reach for his lightsaber this is really what kevin smith is doing here (laughs) um uh ts like starts digging deeper and asking what happened between her and her boyfriend before and all this kind of stuff you know uh but you know brody kind of jumps in and, and asks a few more questions he's like would you ever make Whoopi in public i'm sorry i'm sorry brain uh uh Brandy asks that to to Brody, and Brody goes, "Already did once today," and points to <laughs> Renee, who's in the crowd with Shannon. And and the look, I will say the the the, the facial responses that Ben Affleck gives are are pretty great. So great, you know. Yeah. He just he he looks like an asshole. Like he a really smug does. bitch. Yeah, very smug, very smug. Brody, and then we get the the my favorite part. One of my favorite parts is Brody tells this story about his cousin, the same cousin as earlier, and it's this famous, not famous, but if you know this movie, it's the famous story about the the airplane kind of descending and everyone jerking off. It's a great, and I don't even want to fucking try to paraphrase it because the way he delivers it, everything about in the movie, it's so fucking perfect. If you've never seen the movie, I can't imagine that's the case at over three hours at this point, but if you've never seen the movie, you can probably just find that clip on YouTube. It is outstanding the story's outstanding the delivery's outstanding everything yeah his level of like dialogue his delivery is just perfect it's perfect i agree it is it's perfect uh brandy at this point figures out that the second suitor is brody brandy is mad now that ts and brody like are basically ruining her father's tv show and you know and, and just airing their personal business on stage and i like how she's like why don't you just tell them and i love how ts immediately like so here we were you know he like just turns <laughs> yeah. right to the crowd that, and that's funny and th- that was yeah there are a handful of moments that jeremy london really nails it he really does yes. i won't say that this is a blanket like terrible performance by jeremy london he does nail some stuff but i agree with you he's not strong enough to keep the whole movie himself like if, if there was no brody in it yeah oh this would never have survived you know well apparently if he's if he's forgetting his lines too so right jesus christ that's sad now that is sad but ts does air their dirty laundry essentially everywhere um brody kind of like interrupts their their bickering uh by telling them like you you know you guys are perfect for each other and 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 by the way i'm not gonna say the r word uh after watching this and chasing amy so recently i don't like in these 90 movies uh first off in chasing amy uh i mean kevin smith drops the f word and i'm not talking about fuck i'm talking about the other f word yeah the way fucking tarantino drops the n word and then in this movie uh he just says the uh, the r word so many times i don't like that i tr- i actually kind of i'm glad that we have as a society have moved away from that and i also glad i'm glad that kevin smith has matured enough that he doesn't really need to use that sort of dialogue anymore and i realize i sound like some old man you know get off my my lawn sort of scenario but i do believe that pop culture has 
effects on people, both positive and negatively, I will tell you anyone, the reason I started smoking cigarettes is because Chayun Fat looked fucking cool as shit smoking cigarettes. 99% of the reason I smoke cigarettes is because of that. And I, I would never, I don't like censorship of any kind, but I do think that artists have to sometimes, you know, be aware of what impact their, their, their art has on pop culture. Well, I think too, I think the difference between censorship and something like this, it's not censorship. I think it's, it's, it's awareness. And I think it's, it's, uh, we are elevated as a society now where we know that there's the, you know, when you call somebody that, if, if you're the person that's being called that and you are a part of, of a group that has been, you know, treated poorly for decades, it's, it's fucking horrible. And, you know, I, I'm a product of watching shit too in movies and, and mimicking and saying the same lines over and over again. And, and I watched Blazing Saddles back in the day and I thought all that shit was funny. And contextually, it is. And we've talked about this before, you and I, where contextually it makes sense. However, in this instance, and again, in, a, in like in a movie like Chasing Amy or in Bill and Ted's Excellent Adventure, where you're dropping the R word or the F word, it's not cool, man. Like there's there's better ways to achieve comedy without having to to go to that level. And that's all it is. It's not like I don't think you sound like a prude or an old man and I don't think I do either. I think both of us are funny as shit and I think we don't have to resort to that level of like, you know, uh d- demeaning somebody. And let's be honest, like if you know someone who is disabled or you have someone in your life and and you heard them get called that, you would be you want to beat the shit out of whoever called them that. You know, it's fucked up. It's fucked up. I'm not going to say though that there were times in my past, I'm not going to say that I never shit, said shit like that. There was times when I was a kid and I would say. I said it all the time. Yeah. And I, I was that's like, the thing. Like I said it all the time and, and yeah. I've tried so hard to remove those two words from my lexicon. It has taken me years to do that. But I think a lot of that has to do with like awareness. And that's all it is, yeah. is awareness. You know, I've taken classes on this shit. I, 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 te- I had to teach, I taught kids about, you know, awareness at a certain level awareness and and empathy and understanding and these are important things man like these are things that people need to fucking get in their head like this shit is offensive to other people and there's a reason why it's it's not oh my god you're wearing red red is offensive to me that's not has nothing to do with it it's it's like no that's an oppressive thing held yeah used to hold people down yes in a very horrible way and like yeah. yeah, you and I, my fucking brother, whatever, talking about like, you know, saying shit back in the day that now we look back and like, oh my God, I can't believe we said that shit. That's horrible. But you got to take, and we, we've said this in the last episode or one of the last episodes, you got to take it in for what it was at that time. Like we didn't know, you and I didn't know yeah. that that was as horrible as a thing that it was then as we do now. You know, you grow, yeah. you learn. And, and shit, it is, don't say that shit, but you can watch a movie now and you definitely, I cringed a few times. I was like, ugh, that's just yeah, like it, weak, weak It writing, felt like a product you know? of its, of its time. And also too, like, 
Like, we know that Kevin Smith has gotten better, you know, and everything. So, like, I'm not taking anything away from the movie. No, no, And I don't want to change anything about the movie. Not at Um, all. It's just, you know, nowadays it's like, okay, I would have, you know, you would hope that he would have written differently uh, nowadays, you know, and and maybe not use those words. But it's not something that is is completely damnable. I guess I'm just waxing the the nostalgic and the fact that I'm glad we're not there anymore. You know, I'm glad we've, we've moved past that. And I think... I think you could craft a better, a funnier joke without using, like, without putting people down. You know, you I don't totally have agree. to put people down to 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 craft a funny joke. And I think, and I, I wouldn't be surprised if Kevin Smith probably felt the same way now as well, because he's he's grown up too. You know. Oh yeah, guaranteed, guaranteed. Yeah. So 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 basically, at this point, you know, uh, the audience is behind Brody. He, you know, everyone wants to see T.S. and and. Uh, um, Brandy sort of uh, be together, and then right there, T.S. proposes to her uh, from, you know, he's on the other, still on the other side of the the divider, you know, but she does say yes, much to Mr. Svenning's chagrin. Uh, They they embrace, and the crowd, you know, cheers. It's, it's, at the end of the day, uh, it was earned, and it was enjoyable to me, as much as, you know, whatever we feel certain ways about T.S. or Jeremy London and Claire Filani, you know, I'm, I was still on the journey though, you know, as much as I didn't, didn't love their journey as much as like other parts, I was still invested. I was still on the journey at this point. Yeah. Me too, dude. It's like, I look at it and I'm like, it's all good. You know, they're not the strongest uh, actors in the film, but they don't ruin anything, you know? No, yeah, you're right. Good, yeah, they didn't. They don't ruin anything, but they they don't elevate it. You know, I'd say Jason Lee elevates it uh, to, to a doubt. higher status than it ever should have been. And that's um, that's why you go, okay, he's the he's the lead because he carries the film. Yeah, he carries the. He energy. really does. He does. He carries the energy of the film, the heart of it. Uh, Jay tells Brody that the the Shannon trap basically is ready, uh, and just as sort of the cops pull up to the mall. Uh, as Stanley walks past Willem, who's still staring at the magic eye picture, and immediately he's like, oh, it's a sailboat. This is the last straw for Willem. <laughs> Willem screams and kicks the kicks the picture, goes running off. Uh, back at the game show, the host is wrapping up the show and telling the audience that, you know, these two are, these two lovebirds as, as you know, uh, Brandy and yeah. T.S. are kissing. They're off to Florida. Of course, they're going to go down to Florida, too, you know, and uh, and he's, as he's about to wrap things up. Brody sort of grabs the, the mic from him and tells him, you know, skedaddle, Pat, Pat Sajak or whatever, you know, <laughs> and uh, uh, Brody points to Renee and says that, you know, she, she has something that belongs to, to me. And of course... Uh, you know, Shannon's like, what? He's like, not you asshole. The girl next to you, you have my heart. And which, you know, maybe that's it. Maybe this is where he grew. You know, he's making his giant, you know, declaration. Yeah. But of course, Shannon's pissed off about that. And he, he gets up, starts walking towards uh, Brody to beat him up. Uh, Bob is just desperately sort of trying to use the force to grab the VHS tape. Uh, Willem, he's he's kind of like, why, God, when will I ever see the <laughs> sailboat? And, and he's but he's back behind the stage kind of doing it, you know, kind of yelling and everything. But he's he's in the back area. Uh, Brody is telling everyone about Shannon's plan to screw his girlfriend in a very uncomfortable position uh, place. Uh, Gil chimes in with the third. Does the Volkswagen the, the Volkswagen that whole thing, uh, the back of a Volkswagen. And of course, uh, rule of three in comedy. You have to do it three times. You can't do it four times. You can't do it two times. That's to be three times. That is the number one. Rule of comedy. Rule of threes. 
Uh, Brody then sees this kind of the, the cops circling him and, sh and base Shannon is advancing on him. Things look really, really bleak for him. Uh, he tells Silent Bob, he's like, now, Silent Bob, play the film now. Bob is still reaching. Willem screams like from the <laughs> gut wrenching screams like, why? And <laughs> kicks the stage, knocking the tape loose. But it's weird because it kind of goes upwards, you know, into yeah. uh, Jay's hands. So you yeah. can kind of say that he maybe used the force for it to for it to happen you know but he, he grabs the tape pops it into the the player and on the screen is uh shannon having sex with trish the dish who is 15 years old but i do love what he's saying he's like he's like who's your favorite new kid call me donnie you know? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> call me donnie <laughs> yeah but, but I, I, wrote, I wrote it down because yeah he's like yeah after he says that he he says uh yeah he's like please don't go <laughs> or something like that please don't go girl <laughs> yeah, please don't go girl <laughs> it's so good it's 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 truly i mean it's amazing it's actually really really funny uh and of course uh brody's like hey because the cops are right there and they're like yeah. hey that girl's 15 and of course you know they arrest uh shannon right there on the spot and uh, kind of sort of, you know, we're going to take him away. But I, I do like how how he's in handcuffs and Brody's about to punch him. And the cops are like, you can't, like, hit a guy in, in, in handcuffs. And Brody's like, really? Just one hit? And they're like, all right. And yeah. then I, I did like the look on Ben Affleck's face. Where he's like, it. what? And then he just lays into him. Brody just lays into him. <laughs> I love it, dude. It's so great. Yeah, that one's really, really good. I did like that. Uh so now at this point, pretty much Brody and Renee get back together and, you know, kind of to show that he has changed. Uh, Brody says, you know what, I'm going to introduce you to my mom. Uh, the execs sort of come up to him and they ask him, they're like, have you ever thought about hosting your own talk show? And I love how his response is just, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> And then, of course, Mr. Svenning just, like, like whimpers. And then we kind of get the uh, the denouement, sort of, where are they now? Very, you know, uh, very 80s-like. But we find out that well, Brody goes on to... Hmm? I was going to say this is this is a direct homage to Fast, Fast Times, right down to the font and colors. Right, yeah. No, it, it, it's... I didn't know which movie it was, but I knew it was, like, any, a reference to, to something. Um, but uh, Brody goes off to host The Tonight Show. Renee is his band leader, so, you know, they're basically happily ever after. Uh, T.S. and Brody get married, like, at the Jaws ride. You know, that's where they have their ceremony. Um, LaFour's is Trish's bodyguard, you know, as, as she's doing her book signing. And then uh, Shannon is in jail, which is a great shot of like his hand against the bars and then the hand behind him sort of comes up around it, which is great. And it's tattooed, and then, tattooed the word yeah, love. Is, yeah. And then Jay and Bob have a have a monkey and they go walking off into the sunset with the monkey. But that's a tale for another day. And that's Mallrats, guys. Our longest episode to date. <laughs> that's Mallrats. I mean, look, there's a lot to cover. I think we pretty much said it all. I, I said it all on my end. Uh, this, this, it, it, it's still super entertaining. Soup flaws at warts and all. It's still a really fun movie on my end. I, I, I still thoroughly enjoyed it. Uh, it was actually more enjoyable on one level watching it in 2020 with this lens that I have the more elevated aware lens um, of like what, 
is actually quality versus quantity versus, you know, you know, what was there were moments in this where now I'm like, oh, that was not so great. But did it ruin my experience? No. Do I still enjoy this film? Is it still one of my favorite Kevin Smith movies? Yes. Would I easily recommend it? Yes. Just take into account that it is a flawed Kevin Smith art house film with a blasted budget. You know? So that's my two two cents. It's still my favorite Kevin Smith movie. I love every bit of it as I'm watching it. But I am also... Loving it, you know, as, you know, 15-year-old me, you know. And then as 42-year-old me, I'm watching it, and I'm like, okay, Kevin Smith has some problems with, with his with, – as a filmmaker, he has his problems. But the, the biggest takeaway is I was like, man, I am so happy that gone are the days of, of just spending your entire day trying to figure out what happened to your relationship and talking to every single person – besides the person you should be talking to, which is, you know, your girlfriend. And I'm just like, oh, God, I'm just glad I'm not there anymore. But aside from that, I'm like, God, I love this movie so, so much. But I did have a hard time reconciling whether 42-year-old me did like it or not. I'm not quite sure. Like, if I saw it, basically what I mean is, like, if I saw it now for the first time, I'm not sure I would dig on it. But because I have the the love for this movie, the nostalgic love for this movie, and I'm watching it in these lines, and I'm like, oh my god, like, it's, it's still, those things still hold up to me, but I don't know if they would have been as meaningful if I had not have seen it when I was 15 and, and, and spent my whole life loving it. Now, all of that caveat is, you know, I asked my wife, I was like, this is your first time seeing it. Now, she's seen Clerks. She's seen Chasing Amy. This was kind of the one that sort of, like, went under her radar and she missed. She fucking loved it. So, and, and you know, so she's 32. So I, take that, you know, take that as you want. It's She loved it. So it, it still holds up to today, you know, to, to new viewership, you know, even with some of its archaic ideas. Um, and I'm only using her as an example because I don't know how to extract my nostalgic love from this movie. I don't know how to look at it from not a nostalgic standpoint. But I can honestly say, like, I do think I can confidently say that if you grew up loving Mallrats, I think it still hold, it'll still hold up for you. You know, if you're if it's your first time going into it, that you're on your own. I have no clue if you're going to like it. I, I kind of feel like that's a crapshoot. But well, if you do think you still remembered loving it, I do think it you're still going to love it. I will say two things. One, it's it's a time capsule movie because it captures a time yes. that is no longer existent in our culture. Yes. Especially right now with the current goings ons. Um, and, and second, you know. Kristen, my wife, watched it with 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 me and sat through the entire movie. She rarely does that with a pad movie, uh, so it speaks volumes, first of all. And I asked her at the end, I said, "Did you like it?" And she goes, "Yeah, I did. Yeah, it was." And and she doesn't really say that about quote unquote old movies. She, uh, you know, we 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 don't typically watch a lot of movies. We're mostly like binge watching t- television shows at this point or, you know, documentaries or whatever. So for her to enjoy that, I'm like, well, that's a that's a solid endorsement for this film then. Uh, minus the fact that she thinks I look like a fat Willem. <laughs> How dare she? Oh, God. You, you're never going to let her hear the end of that one. That, no, that's why, um, I, that's why I work out hardcore. Hardcore. 
And it, you're right, it does, like, speak volumes because, yeah, I mean, this is, like, Kevin Smith, I mean, I would always consider this like a raunchy guy movie, but both of our wives watched this movie for the first time, and they both loved it, or at least enjoyed it. So, honestly, I, I do think that says a lot about the film. So, yeah, I, I maybe, the, maybe the nostalgic love that I have for it is justified and warranted. Um, I, I, guess, I guess walking away from this movie, I realize that it is still one of my favorite Kevin Smith movies, and I think I'll probably more happily put it back into my rotation now, because it's been, it's been a good 15 years since I've probably seen this, and, and I, I missed it, man, it felt like an old friend, it really did feel like an old friend, and I, I, I'm happy to have this in our collection, I'm happy to now have my, my thoughts on this movie just, you know, out there forever, and, and for posterity, and I'm glad that, I, I, I'm glad to have this kind of back into my my life back in, into my lexicon minus a few of the words that we won't bring back but other than that man i'm glad fucking fly fat ass fly is back i'm, <laughs> I'm glad that like you know my, I, it's like i felt like i refell in love with jay and silent bob in this movie you know so this has been fun man i'm i'm really glad that that our network did this whole uh kevin smith tribute retrospective thing it's it's really given me a reason to to go back and and re-fall in love with kevin smith at least old you know his earlier stuff at least and i and i will also say specifically this movie um we we reviewed you broke down the theatrical version and there are two versions on the disc i didn't watch the other version the extended director's cut and apparently it's closer to what kevin smith's vision was of the film because he uh had a bigger hand in the overall look of it so I will watch. I will happily watch that at some point. Uh, but I also was going to say kudos to you, man, for uh, for breaking this beast of a film down because <laughs> comedies or movies heavy in dialogue uh, are always challenging because it's so much of it is about the written word versus the visuals and just kind of yeah. narrating, which is what we do typically. Uh, so, and I can assure you that the next several movies that are chosen for pad on my end are closer in vain to a film that well, they're not comedies. So yeah, this is now the third comedy we've done. You broke down, uh, adventures of Fort Fairlane and I did, uh, this in trading places. And I told Zach <laughs> earlier today, I go, no more comedies anytime yeah. soon. Like <laughs> it's, it's so much work. It's yep. so much work, but good work. It's fun work. I love it. I'm not complaining, but no more comedies anytime soon. No more <laughs> oh, buddy. Hey, man. Well, this is a long ass episode. You want to plug uh, $2 late fee real quick? Sure. Yeah. Uh, I'm going to make it short and sweet. You can go on $2LateFee.com or Instagram, $2 late fee. Uh, and you can find me, Zach Schaefer VO, uh, dot com. Brand new website, which accesses all the good stuff that's going on in my life entertainment wise so check that out there's some some of my work is on there you can check it out zach schaefer vo and find me on instagram at zach schaefer how about you sleazy c yeah, man. You guys, you can find me uh, every week talking about Seinfeld on Cartwright, a Seinfeld podcast. And if you enjoy Podcast After Dark 
uh, and you're only listening on the free feeds, you are getting uh, probably a one-third of the content that we produce. Uh, everything else is over on Patreon, patreon.com slash dark. And over there, you can find our monthly wrap-up after dark show, which is a free-form discussion show that Zach and I have. And But the meat and potatoes is our interviews after dark. And, uh, man, we have some great interviews over there. We just, just dropped our Tom Holland interview, a director of Fright Night and Child's Play. And, uh, man, we, we discuss with him, you know, everything from, you know, writing Cloak and Dagger and, and Psycho 2 to, to Fright Night, basically. And uh, we get the skinny on what Billy Cole is. So I will let you guys discover that for yourself when you go over there and listen. But we also have about... 11 other interviews with people from Diane Franklin to Tom Matthews to director Brian Usna. It's just, it's wild. It's wild. So we got a lot of good stuff over on our Patreon page. And, uh, and as you guys have seen, uh, I mean, we take all everything and put it right back into the show. So we did our, our year one artwork commission was paid for by our patrons. So thank you all for that. Um, and then we also have a merch store. You can support this, uh, the, the show that way. And that's podcasting after slash merch. So you can find, uh, we have a few designs over there, more to come soon and a free way to help out the show is to leave us a five-star review on Apple podcasts. If you, uh, if you, if you can't, you know, fork over a buck or two, which is a okay. We get it. Cra- things are crazy right now. We totally understand. And, uh, if you want to help out the show, a free way to do it is to leave us a five-star review on Apple podcasts, or just tell it to your friends, post it on uh, Instagram, you know, like just share it with your friends. We take that too. take all of it. We appreciate all the love. Every, every iota, of love that you guys give us online. We appreciate all of it. Amen. Amen, brother. And as always, we'll catch you on the dark side. Join the Podcasting After Dark Patreon community to unlock exclusive monthly content like cast interviews and a fan feedback show. Plus, you get every regular episode of Podcasting After Dark completely ad-free. You can also support the show by rating and reviewing us five stars on Apple Podcasts and by recommending us to your friends. Finally, make sure you follow us on Reddit, Instagram, and Facebook for news and updates about future episodes. Just search for Podcasting After Dark. Have you been wondering where's the beef? Well, on our podcast, Throwback Trivia Takedown, you might just find that out, as well as some other things about the 70s, 80s, and 90s. We're a nostalgic-based trivia show that pits two challengers head-to-head in a duel of the decades, with categories ranging from movies, TV and music, to slang, food, and fashion. You're sure to get the best in retro-themed trivia. So strap on your jelly shoes, grab a surge, and walk like an Egyptian to your favorite podcast app and check out Throwback Trivia Takedown. I heard even Mikey likes it.